This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by... Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together, as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD, or CBD distillate, tends to be more potent and lasts longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in, so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things, like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors. Uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. Ooh. So... If this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. Oh. Hey, man. Hi, Steve. <gasps> Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of uh, Headlock Talk. <gasps> Oh, snap. Oh, snap, indeed. <laughs> I am, of course, Tanner, a.k.a. The Texas Gentleman, and uh, alongside me, as always, for one last dance, the one, the only, Mr. Stephen Grudy. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, Stephen. It's been a while, man. It has been a while. It's It's, it's, it's been, been a long a, while. It's been a long while mm-hmm. since we've gotten to do one of these. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a minute, for y- sure. Yeah, man. So, um... Maybe we should probably uh, <laughs> uh, clear the air here a little bit because yeah. it has been a while. It right? has been a long time. L- lots of people all over the world have lots of questions. Mm-hmm. Where have you been? What have you been, what have you done? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and why now? I think is the the pertinent question. Yeah, so yeah. So why now, man? What what are we what are we doing this for? Well, so first off, I want to you know kind of address uh, you know why I left. Yeah. Uh, initially. And uh, a few people kind of behind the scenes um, of Headlock Talk, uh, you know, some of the people that, you know, have supported us through this, uh, you know, co-podcasters and things, they kind of know, uh, you know, what happened and, you know, initially why I left. Uh, but to just kind of clear the air, was having a kind of a mm, kind of a bout of mental health kind of thing, yeah. uh, really just wasn't having a great time. 
basically yeah. i had to t- had to take a step back and kind of reevaluate and um you know kind of focus on myself for a little bit and uh you know i always had a, lo- a lot of fun podcasting for sure um but it got to be a lot for me a lot to focus on um you know throughout my throughout my week throughout my day um and so i just kind of had to take a step back for myself and and kind of work on myself for a little bit um proud to say that it worked <laughs> yeah for sure man. yeah uh no i'm in, i'm in a lot better state now in my life and with my mental health now uh than i was back then so uh, I'm, I'm glad to say that um glad to be back for sure for yeah. one last one last dance here um and, and then to address you know why now yeah uh i'm moving yeah yeah so so tell tell me about that i mean i think that the the people want to know mm. again why now because it's not, it kind of seems out of the blue you know that that we would uh put this this last this last dance this last shindig together yeah yeah um so yeah so you're moving i am moving uh i am i'm moving to california uh right re- real big uh real big step there um yeah. i met someone and uh Ooh. yeah yeah things are really hitting off um met on tinder of all places which is kind of funny um but <laughs> yeah met, met on tinder we've been talking for a real long time and you know things are just things are just clicking um but elephant in the room she lives in california yeah and uh i have decided that at this point in my life it's that's something that i want to do and it's it's a change that i want to make to be with her and you know to kind of turn over a new leaf start a new new adventure for myself so to speak yeah um so yeah i'll I'll be moving to california next week um (laughs) you know when when i first uh when i first met tanner you know uh, how's how's it going hey buddy good to see you (laughs) good to see you uh when i first met tanner you know we we worked at a i mean this is common knowledge right yeah i think so yeah we talk about it i mean this is like this is the last time to say anything. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. like, yeah. you know, there's so, a time. So, um, yeah. yeah, when I first met Tanner, we were working at a vape shop called Create a Sig in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Um, we, uh, I started there first. Tanner came in, and uh, we co-managed the shop together. Uh, yeah. And you know, it, it kind of just just started a really nice friendship together. I mean, uh, and then we both kind of found out that we were both into pro wrestling and and tanner had always wanted a podcast and i was thinking about podcasting and so we kind of just you know we tried it out with a buddy of of uh tanner's i had never met the guy jay raw <laughs> shout out to jay raw shout out to jay raw listening yeah. out there bless him uh <laughs> you know and so so we tried out this this headlock talk this podcasting thing and uh it just became you know a hell of a lot of fun yeah who, who knew it would be the monster it would become absolutely yeah yeah, it, it it turned out to be a, a whole lot more than I thought it would be, yeah. um, for good and for bad. You know what I mean? Uh, for good, I loved. I, you know, I loved it. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Tanner and I. You know, we got had a really nice blossoming friendship from it. You know, um, but then, like I said, you know, I had mental health stuff and I had to take a step back and things like that. But right, well, and and life happens too, right, of course. man? So like obviously you know as our, our friend mags you know would always say oh, like bless him yeah love you mags L- love you mags shout out to you if you're if you're listening buddy mm-hmm. um like real life comes first right of course and so like obviously you've got you know you went through the mental health and mm-hmm. and you're trying to you, you, i guess you've successfully worked out a lot of those issues that that yeah. you need to work out yeah um i mean it's it's an ongoing journey just always. like just like life is right yeah um but like i, I mean 
I know, like, I moved to Waco, which mm-hmm. turned out to be, like, a huge disaster. Because <laughs> uh, I'm back in Austin once again. Mm. And it was... I That was a good move to make in, in returning to Austin because, obviously... I missed you. Of course, and I missed I, you too. And I think that, and 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 for anybody out there wondering, it's not as if like we ended the podcast and just stopped talking. No, right? no, like I, we were. <laughs> no, I, I mean Tanner and I are very much still very good friends. You know, we never stop talking. You know, we we talk, we talk all the time. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, pretty often. Yeah. I mean, we we get busy, but of course. I mean, when we text each other or think of each other, we you know we talk yeah. on the phone. We we'll text each other. Yeah, Th- this wasn't anything like, okay, well, Steven's gone later. Yeah, you know, right. or or anything like that. And like, oh, I'm off the podcast. I don't need to talk to Tanner anymore. Like, no, we're still we're still very good friends. You know. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, like you said, you know, life happens. Yeah. And you know, um, I'm really glad that you're back in Austin. Oh yeah, I am too, man. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think more more specific to headlock talk mm. um, because people out there will know that I I tried to end the series last year. Mm-hmm. Like I I had a bunch of guests yeah. come on the show. You know, we had Mags, we had Foul, we had oh, uh, Foul, what a guy! Yeah, <laughs> we had uh, Conrad from ET, mm. EPW show. He made his his first appearance on what would have been the last episode of Headlock Talk. Right. Uh, so there was a little bit of a bittersweet poetry in that. Um, but, um, I've always felt like I couldn't successfully end the show without it being you and I one last time. Absolutely. And I think that uh, this is a kind of a perfect opportunity seeing as you're, you're about to go. Mm. We've, we spent years actually on this project, uh, together and, and I, I don't know of any other special way to kind of close that chapter of, of, of our friendship, you know, and move on to something else that you and I uh, can can do and explore further as as we get older and closer to death. <laughs> Ending on a bleak note In there. The- <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, you know, headlock talk was never something that I that I never had any like. You know, like I said, I had to I had to take a step back from me, but it was never something that I was like, oh man, headlock talk is killing me. You right. know, like I have, oh God, screw headlock talk, <laughs> screw these people. You know, like absolutely not. Uh, you know, th- throughout all the episodes that we did, uh, and, and you know the people that we've met and the shows we've done with other people and things like that, it, it's it's always been fun. Yeah, it's it's always been fun. Uh, but like you said, life happens, and uh, you know the the day-to-day real life comes first and yeah. I, and I had to take a step away for that but uh I I have no ill will <laughs> to, no, towards anything you no, know for sure like uh so it I will say you know to to make a long story short it's good to be back at least one last time hell yeah man yeah well well now that we're here right we should probably talk about some some pro wrestling <laughs> This is a pro wrestling podcast. So, yeah. So like, I, I kind of had to sit back and think about like, okay, well, how are we gonna do this show, right? Like, and then it was one of those weird things where it was like, dude, so much has happened since we last did a show together. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's like a way that we can recap like two years worth of wrestling. <laughs> right. Right. But there has been some pretty big stuff that's happened recently, and we're, we're going to try and just, I guess, take like a bird's eye view of the landscape 
as we see it right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe try and make some predictions. I, I really don't know, but we're, I guess we're just going to have a very candid conversation here. We're just going to have some fun, man. W- one last time. One last yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, um, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 apparently Vince McMahon stepped down from WWE. Uh, yeah, apparently. Apparently. It's, it's not like it's the biggest thing to happen in professional wrestling in the last, you know, 50 to 100 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like, <laughs> love him or hate him, Vince, he, he was the guy. He he was the face of pro wrestling for the, the better part of, you know, 40 years. Yeah. You know, and so uh, this is huge. This is big, big news. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the, the, the scandalous nature yeah, of, yeah. of him leaving. But um, I, I think on... Uh, on one hand, yes, you have to look at it as like, oh yeah, it's, it's Vince McMahon. People, when you when you talk about pro wrestling to like your you know your, your layman, your your layman, your mm-hmm. common pleb, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. great word. <laughs> uh, they would be like, oh yeah, Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan, blah blah blah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, it may, maybe, oh yeah, Vince and Stone Cold. Yeah, you know, but it's always Vince. Right? Yeah, Vince is there. V- Vince, like, if you mm-hmm. talk to a business person, of course, yeah, you know, and you say, oh yeah, WWE. They, they, well, and that's that's a specific point too. If you talk to a businessman, yeah, it's always Vince, right? Always Vince. Like you, you might talk to, you know, to to put it in your phrase, the common pleb. You know, and, and they know they know The Rock. They know Stone Cold. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they probably know, Triple H. They probably know Triple H. Taker. John Cena. Yeah. You know these people. But if you talk about the business side of pro wrestling, yeah, it's Vince, and, and it's been Vince. Yeah. You know. So, so Stephen, what what got Vince in trouble? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I mean, I've got the article. I guess I I could I could read. <laughs> I could read this. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, I guess um, a, a, much of this is already common knowledge, right? Right. So. Um, some of it alleged. Yeah, some of it alleged. I, I mean, there's still probably some ongoing investigation part of this here. But mm-hmm. but basically, what started this all was um, a woman who alleged to be a friend of a former employee of WWE um, I guess she sent an email to like, I guess the the board, the the you know all the chair people on mm-hmm. the board of WWE, alleging that uh, her friend um, had met Vince McMahon at uh, one of the the Trump uh, kind of towers or like wherever like the condominiums or whatever it is where they both lived. Vince soon found out that she was like. Um, uh, what would you call that? What like a uh, um, not, not a not a like like her job? Yeah, what's her job? Uh, her legal job? consultant? Yeah, legal consultant or yeah. like um, like there's a specific uh, term for it. Uh, the, the term paralegal comes into pa- my head. There is you that go. What it is? Paralegal. Okay. Okay. She was a paralegal, I mm-hmm. believe, is is yeah. what this the the stories have been. Mm-hmm. Um, they started a budding relationship. Yes. Um, that that blossomed into a very sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, v- Vince McMahon. I, I will make note. Still very much married to Linda McMahon. Right. Right. But they they've lived separate lives for a very long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so this should should not come as to any news to anybody who kind Ooh. of knows. 
Right. And, and like, just to be clear, you know, I'm not saying yeah. how Vince and Linda should live their lives or anything like that. You know, no. if, if, you know, marriage is. Mailwidge. Mailwidge is, uh, <laughs> you know, at least from the outside in, what it looks like with Vince and Linda is it's very much like a, it's a legal thing. They they yeah. are they are legally married but emotionally separated. <laughs> that, that's that's what it seems, you know. That's what it, it feels that's like. That's what it feels like. And so I'm not I'm not trying to say that like Vince being in a uh you know uh consensual maybe relationship yeah. is a bad thing. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying that at all. Um but that's not really the part that is uh shady that's not the shady part of this yeah Yeah. so um basically what happens is um with this relationship uh at some point vince offers to double this person's salary this person starts working for for wwe Mm -hmm. uh under vince hundred thousand dollar a year salary vince nothing to sneeze at no uh it's good salary salary. for for a paralegal Mm -hmm. um Vince then offers this person uh, a, a, a triple raise. Basically, he wanted to Was offer. Triple? He wanted to offer her initially three hundred thousand dollars a year. Is see. what I've seen in some reports. Okay, um, but then somebody, I guess, was like. Uh, no, you can't do that. Yeah, do two hundred thousand. Um, but I, I don't know if there was anything known about their sexual relationship at the time. Right, right. Um, this would certainly raise a few eyebrows. And I think this is the crux of the matter that people got right. uh, caught up in because you'd hear a lot of these things where um, ultimately this relationship ends and Vince McMahon um, and this person turn into a non-disclosure agreement right. with a... With a um, a payoff of I think it was like three million dollars or mm-hmm. something crazy like that, right. right? Um, where it gets a little bit muddy is not not that they entered into this NDA, this non-disclosure agreement, right? Uh, but but that this raise that he would have given her would have used company funds, right? And you you that's fucking illegal. It's extremely illegal. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I I think that's you know kind of where the uh, where the the problem is twofold here you know you you can you can talk about the um you know the the power dynamic between the two of them yeah a a boss and an employee boss and an employee uh you can also talk about you know is it kind of scummy to uh you know have this this sort of secretive kind of relationship with with a monetary payoff of of, you know uh quote-unquote hush money uh but then yeah but then the but then the problem is twofold when you start bringing in the salary that is paid for by the company yeah and, and that's the that's the two you know really big issues here is like the the hush money look that's scummy you know that's mm-hmm. it's that's kind of scummy um and, and you know you can judge vince based on that however you want to um if if the money came from his own pocket nothing illegal happened that is an agreement between two consenting parties however the doubling of the salary with company funds. That is that that I think is the part that the shareholders are more interested in. Yes. And I mean his his kind of actions throughout this investigation, which lasted about a month mm-hmm. and, and are and are actually still ongoing, but the part where he was still actively involved 
were were very interesting because he he came out on SmackDown after this thing was revealed. God, that was so weird. And then he was like, he's like, then now forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was funny about that is together. That, <laughs> I think is what he said. What, what's what's really funny about that to me? Maybe not funny. That's the wrong word. But what I think it's hilarious. <laughs> but but go on. What, what's what's funny about that to me is you know all of these allegations came out. Uh, you know the, these reports of the hush money and the doubling of the salary and the and the sexual relationship and all that. All of that came out, uh, and then you know maybe maybe a few days in, maybe a week in, uh, the, it was announced that Vin was Vince was going to come out on SmackDown and and a, a, you know there was going to be an address made by Vince. They didn't say yeah. what it was. They didn't say what he was going to say, yeah, what the topic was going, was going to be. Vince McMahon speaks. Yeah, as I think it, the, exactly the headline, and so. Obviously, you know, in hindsight, he's not going to come out on SmackDown and like, you know, I, I did I, not I have did sexual it. relations <laughs> with that woman. He wasn't going to come out on SmackDown and say that. In hindsight, <laughs> that's that's obvious. But at the same time, uh, they really knew what they were doing there to to get the views on the product. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then yeah, he just comes out and says, you know, this nothing catchphrase. Mike drop and walks in the back. It's like okay, got it. Cool. Got it. Thanks. Thanks, guy. <laughs> um, so so the investigation continues, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we've learned some interesting things uh, per this investigation. Interesting is, um, a, is a word, yeah. So um, Vince retired. He, mm-hmm. he chose to retire. Um, Which, he, just that sentence there in a vacuum yeah. is, is bonkers. Yeah. You know? I'm just, very casually, oh, Vince retired. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, like the, <laughs> you know, we, we've heard rumblings about that and and you know well, please from certain parts well, of the wrestling community for years and i mean we always thought that he was going to be there until he dropped basically yeah he, he, he was, was going to retire in a casket match <laughs> with, <laughs> for sure the undertaker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to be 98 taking a tombstone and it was going to be a shoot yeah. and uh it been, we would have all seen it happen yeah and been a non-willing <laughs> participant in the actual death of Vince yeah, man the, the snuff film that is that is <laughs> you know wrestlemania <laughs> wrestlemania 50 <laughs> going out with a bang literally yeah. um so um we've learned a couple things uh this was not the only nda that vince mcmahon had right he has had um multiple ndas uh, and and uh up to approximately fifteen million dollars paid in hush money yeah. um, across multiple NDAs between two thousand six and two thousand two. Um, uh, I I don't know about you, Stephen, but I, I I can't even dream of having fifteen million dollars, <laughs> yeah. much much less having that to pay for hush money. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I mean, and that's the that's the part that's kind of like murky yeah and i'm not i'm not like making uh i'm not saying i would want to have 15 right, million dollars right. <laughs> i'm not saying what he did was good no i'm no. just saying you know like it's a ridiculous amount of money that is a ridiculous amount of money for sure mm-hmm. um and, and yeah that for me that's the part that gets kind of murky you know and, and that's that is more so up to the court of public opinion on whether right. that is okay to do or or not uh just i mean just to just yeah. to put this out there in my position um yeah. vince that ain't cool it, yeah. ain't, it ain't cool to do that you know there yeah. there's obviously a power dynamic there um you, you know and with, with boss and employee and and all those things but that's that's more so public 
you know, court of public opinion, but yeah. it's it's the the doubling or or tripling of the salary, and that that's the legal yeah. argument here. That that's the actual thing that can be fought in courts, type thing. Right. Well, yeah. and and just like imagine, and and not that either of us are parents, right? Because because we're, we're not. But imagine being a parent of like a WWE fan, and then having to explain like the story and being like, oh, well, you know, when an old man loves a young woman, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my goodness yeah so um so so vince is gone yeah. uh, we, he has these ndas um a, a, another report that we have found out over the course of this investigation and oh, i and i God. actually i'm actually kind of springing this on you because i i had complete a for completely forgotten about this story but also i didn't put it in the outline of the uh of our talk here today. Uh-huh. So apparently, do do you remember when Vince McMahon had the hair versus hair match with Donald Trump at I think it was like WrestleMania 25? I do. So apparently part of this is that Vince McMahon made a charitable donation of 4 million dollars to to Trump's um uh I guess his charity fund mm-hmm. um which has now been liquidated to pay for his election and legal fees. Of course. Um so, so Vince paid Trump four million dollars for his appearance at WrestleMania twenty five. Um, p- part of the contractual stipulation was that uh, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump refused in any way, shape, or form to have his head shaved mm. um, uh, o- over the course of uh, this this thing here. Yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah. Di- he didn't uh, he didn't have much <laughs> to, to lose, so I, I get it. No, you know, uh, I mean. <laughs> It, this was a contractual uh, a stipulation in, in their contract. So again, That's this hilarious. was this was something that um, <laughs> that, that was put in uh, <laughs> uh, the 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 actual legal jargon that was used in the contract was under no circumstances would Mr. McMahon be allowed to shave his head, even if Mr. Trump's wrestler dropped dead in the ring. That was. <laughs> Uh, so if you remember, it, it was a uh, it was Bobby Lashley who represented Donald Trump. Oh um, my gosh! And the the hope was that Bobby Lashley would not drop dead in the ring. Uh, that is a hope of mine. Yes, <laughs> for sure. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I would hope so too that yeah. he would not that that would not happen. Absolutely, to him. Um, or anybody for that matter. Yes, I w- I wish the best for Mr. Lashley. Yeah, obviously. But, uh, just the fact that it was thought of that Donald Trump <laughs> would insert that into the, the yeah, clause. Yeah. I also love that somewhere, mm. uh, you know, somewhere in the ether, there is a legal document floating around that has that stipulation in it in in print. In, I, I love that in print. Yeah, so. Um, so Vince is gone. Mm-hmm. The the new hierarchy is uh, Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan, mm. who we've never actually really talked about on this show before because he he was kind of a shadowy figure during the time of you and I really kind of doing the show. Yeah, I mean you would hear him like referenced yeah. like vaguely every now and then. Yeah, uh, he's very very much on the business side of WWE. Right, right. Um. So so Vince and, and this Nick Khan fellow here mm-hmm. are, are are co-CEOs of, of WWE. And Stephanie and Nick Khan. Yeah, Stephanie and Nick Khan. Mm-hmm. They're co-CEOs. And then Triple H is now, I believe, the head of talent relations and creative. Or maybe it's just head of creative. I'm not... Well, because he was... Correct me if I'm wrong. He was already head of talent or... or he had been. Yeah, yeah. And then he stepped away due to right, health right, issues. Right, right, right. Um, 
but now he's kind of back in this new role here. He, he mm-hmm. basically he's he's booking Raw and SmackDown, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's his that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so now that's that's the new landscape, and people are already seeing different things. They're seeing less of like the cartoony kind of stuff that you and I, you know, we're we're critical of. Of course, um, we're seeing longer matches. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing. Uh, the return of Karrion Cross and Scarlet, uh, you know, they're, they're now on SmackDown, seemingly mm-hmm. trying to start a feud with um, Drew McIntyre, it mm. seems. Uh, there's also, uh, who was it? Dexter Loomis mm. has been uh, seen on Raw trying to break into the building. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Um, yeah, yeah, so there's there's been some returns here on the docket. Right. Um, I, I guess what 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 do you see this new era uh, being ushered in? Do, do you see it being something more akin to what people saw maybe in the original version of NXT, or right. you know what 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 do you kind of see here with this new well formula? It, it's it's very early, right? Yeah. It, it's very early to to say exactly like oh well, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to change. Uh, yeah. What what I what me a, as a wrestling fan hopes to see is you know like you said may, maybe in a, a return to what NXT was like uh, a, a return to kind of uh before the PG era necessarily mm. um that that's what i would hope to see now with Triple H at the helm with with creative and talent relations i think that's a good possibility that 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 could happen at the same time though WWE is a you know billion dollar company and there, there's a lot that goes into that it's not just you know, yeah, Triple H's head, but I I don't see you know I don't I don't see WWE just like immediately like tomorrow Drew McIntyre is going to go out there and you know blade himself over and over and like all these things. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, going to be a crazy return to like two thousand yeah uh, you know WWE or anything like that. <laughs> I, I still think there has to be some semblance of a. Continuity, perhaps. Continuity. I, I don't want to say family-friendly approach because hmm. they don't have to do that. Right. You know what I mean? But love him or hate him, Vince grew WWE into this crazy, you know, global force. Yeah. And, you know, the shareholders are not going to want to see that, you know, dwindle now well, now that Vince is gone. Well, and, and one thing that also needs to be made note of here is that um, you can kick Vince McMahon out, basically. You can force him into this retirement where he he basically uh, is no longer in control of the day to day, and he's not wearing all these hats. Yeah. But but he is still like the majority shareholder. Correct. So um, when we say that that Stephanie and uh, Triple H and this Nick Khan fellow. Uh, have to adhere to somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It's, it's the shareholders, but it's also still Vince McMahon himself. Yeah, and and it's very much Vince. You know what I mean? Yeah. At, at the end of the day, with with the structure of WWE, uh, you know, yes, Triple H is head of of yeah. what is put in front of us, what we see mm-hmm. on, on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. But he's still answering to someone. He doesn't own WWE. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so he can come in and make and make these changes, but. He's answering to someone still. Yeah, and so I don't. I don't think we're going to see this like drastic, huge change and, and shift back to you know what everyone. Not maybe not everyone, but at least you know the hardcore wrestling fans have wanted from WWE for a very long time. I don't think we're going to see that drastic change. There right. will be a lot of great changes, though. I do believe that, and I think we're already seeing quite a few of, of them. Right, like. Mm-hmm. 
Um, for example, and I think that this was already in the works before Triple H took the helm, but like, yeah. um, so t- <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hate this. Oh boy! So Tommaso Ciampa, mm. he, he has aligned himself with the Miz. Mm. Um, and uh, what a pairing! Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, he his, he is breaking out of his shell, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and kind of kind of going on his own a little bit. He had a a pretty good match with Bobby Lashley on on Raw, um, just one on one. And you could already see like he's got the makings of somebody who's a who's, who's going to be a star. Right. I'm just like biding my time for the inevitable Miz turning on him so that mm-hmm. way we can get like the psycho killer back. Yeah, yeah. You know? For sure. Um but yeah, I mean Triple H is making a strong point to try to get his guys in there and, mm-hmm. and get them going. I think um, what we're what we're going sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think a lot of what we're going to see in, in the positive sense is things like you know, Tommaso Ciampa having having a bigger role. Not not even just specifically yeah. Tommaso Ciampa, but I mean people like Tommaso Ciampa where he is Tommaso Ciampa is very much a a wrestling fans wrestler. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like a hardcore wrestling fans wrestler. Yeah. Um you, you know, very very high work rate, great character work, things like that. Not so much like cartoony kind of like, uh, you know, comedy type stuff. I think a lot of the good things that we're going to see change is people like him being pushed and not necessarily, you know, we, we heard a lot of rumblings and it's all alleged, but we heard rumblings of like Vince doesn't like this guy because he's too small. Yeah. You know, Vince doesn't like this guy. He doesn't, for X, he doesn't y, have the body. Z. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have the look, you know, and I think we're going to see, uh, you know, wrestlers judged based on their ability more than their look necessarily i think that's one positive change that will come from this well and and you can already kind of see it in like so the champa stuff right mm-hmm. uh dexter loomis coming back karen cross coming back yeah um uh, hit row uh another popular act uh from nxt um you know they're, they're all kind of making these returns and whatnot um but like, I mean, you, I've even heard rumblings of like Johnny Gargano's interested in coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that there is kind of like that, okay, we're kind of moving into the triple H mold of things and mm-hmm. he's a little bit more lenient on, you know, uh, your look, but you know, what is your output, right? right. Like what, right. what are you going to do in the ring? Is it going to be entertaining? And, and I think so far we're seeing a lot of really big positives here. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I think, uh, and, and maybe maybe now is a good time to, to to bring this up. But there was a, apparently an alleged uh, wire, not wiretapping story, but that, that's a different uh, <laughs> that's a different podcast. Um, there's a different, uh, I guess, contract tampering <laughs> right. uh, kind of situation where. Uh, it was alleged uh, per Fightful Select, I believe, mm-hmm. that um, someone within WWE reached out to a contracted AEW wrestler, and right. we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about with AEW here, of course, uh, as we as we have this conversation. But um, that somebody had allegedly reached out and tried to see if this contracted AEW talent would be interested in the WWE return. Uh, no names have been named as to who this is or who made that contact or whatever it might be. All we know is that that, that AEW talent said, you know, I'm happy with where I am. I've got this contract, blah, 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 blah. Right. right. Um, <clears throat> and there's several people that that could be. Yeah. You know, that 
yeah, obviously we'll we'll talk about this when we talk about AEW. There's a lot of there's a lot of ex WWE guys. Yeah, I mean, well, in AEW. You know. I think that's one thing where we have to like look at and be like, okay, well, this is kind of like one of not the not so great things is like, I mean, I guess it's great in the drama sense. Like you, if you buy into the drama, the Twitter drama sense of, you know, the, the war between the two companies that, right, that right. exists. Um, oh, well, WWE is trying to tap up all these people. They got Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. you know, they're now Which trying that- to. That blew my mind, dude. Yeah, so blew my mind. Yeah, well, well, tell me about it. Yeah, I mean the the thing with with Cody is like, it, Cody's not just some ex WWE guy. Like he was very much a part of AEW. He, he you know he was there from the beginning. He he wasn't just a contracted wrestler. Yeah, you know he he was an EVP. Like he he was in the in the business of AEW there from the beginning, built it up, you know, things like that. And and so obviously, you know, and we, we spoke a little bit about this on the way over here. Yeah. Um, you know, money talks, you oh, know, yeah. and, and I'm not going to sit here and say that, um, you know, that was the wrong move for Cody or anything like that, because I don't think that, you know, I'm not going to say that I lost respect for Cody because I don't think that it just blew my mind. Yeah, blew my mind. Well, it's like a big story, you know, yeah. to, to leave as the EVP of of, of a company and then, mm-hmm. you know, go go to WWE where you know, I mean, uh, let's let's even rewind a little bit from AEW. Mm-hmm. He went on this, you know, two or three year saga on the indie scene, right? Yeah. Where he was, he had his his uh, his list that he made of all the things that he wanted to do. Um, and you know, he, it's not that he left WWE in bad terms, but, um, I, I think that he was trying to prove a point for sure. Right. And so he, he built this, he helped, he helped build this whole thing and then goes to WWE. Right. And now it's kind of like, Oh wow. That's kind of shocking. And, and, you know, you see Cody and, and all the, all the smack he talked in the in the lead up to like all out and, yeah. and and all those things and the the throne breaker entrance you know all these yeah. things it, it was extremely on the nose you know what i mean and, and to see him not not throw that away not, not necessarily because that's still a very much a part of uh you know AEW's origin story right you know um i think some people felt stabbed in the back a little bit yeah I, I mean i definitely understand that but at the same time you know he's he's a human and it's, it's a business it's a business and yeah. you know bro get your bag you know like yeah. i'm not i'm not mad at you for it yeah it's just shocking it, yeah. it's shocking in every sense of the word you yeah, know what for i mean sure. it, it, this isn't this isn't jungle boy going to wwe and no disrespect to jungle boy but you know yeah. th- this isn't this isn't penta Going to WWE. This is this is the e- this is an EVP, right? So, someone very very high up in the company leaving and going to WWE. That's huge. Yeah, that that's absolutely huge. And and so, like I said, no disrespect to Cody, it just shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, you know, a, a month before his, uh, you know, his entrance at WrestleMania, um, if you would have asked me, like, oh, is, is Cody going to go to? WWE be like no that's that's Twitter conjecture there's no way yeah there, there is no possible way and then he did it yeah and, and it blew it's, my mind it's crazy it's it's honestly crazy yeah and so I mean at that point if Cody can go back I mean obviously anyone can go back you know or anybody could just leave AEW and go to WWE absolutely that's what I'm saying you yeah. know like if 
if Cody can do it, anyone can. Yeah. And if Cody would do it, anyone would. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. the the floodgates are are open. Oh, uh, for sure. In, in that way. Well, we've heard you know MJF speak openly about like he wants to go to WWE one day. Um, I mean, it, it was no secret either that um, before AEW even became a thing, that WWE was highly tracking uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah. They wanted to bring in the Young Bucks. Yeah. They were going to be on the main roster and bring the Elite and make it a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hangman Page was going to go to NXT and be, you know, the next you know, the next big prospect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's no secret that, you know, they're probably still going to be looking at those same guys here in a year or two yeah, I mean, when their contracts end. It's He's still Kenny Omega. Yeah. They're still the Young Bucks. Like, they're still fantastic. They still are a draw, you know? And, and so they're, they're not just going to be like, ah, well, they're in AEW right now. Let's look for other people. Like, they, yeah. have, they have the money. And those guys are a draw. Of course, they're going to still be looking at them. Yeah, of course. Well, and and I think people need to also understand too. And this kind of goes back to the Cody thing of like, um, just because you're an EVP, you're you're not an owner. Cody Rhodes right. did not own a part of no. AEW. Nope. That was just a title that he was given. Tony Khan is still the owner of AEW, very much so. Yeah. Um, so really what Cody had was a, a title, um, a, and, and a lot of hard work that he had to do besides being in the ring, right? right? He had a very good salary, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. But, um, I'm sure that's probably a little bit of a relief to him to where he can leave AEW and just focus on being a performer in WWE and still make very good money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It it was just, it was really, really shocking to me, you know? Um, and, and honestly, I think with with Triple H at the helm of talent relations and, uh, you know, creative and things like that, and also with Cody going to WWE and, you know, making the splash that he did before his gnarly injury. Um, <laughs> that was so gnarly. Dude, I, I've seen some pec tears. That's that's one hell of a pec tear. One hell of a pec tear, yeah. But, but those things combined, um, you know... I'm sure that you know maybe some maybe some ex WWE guys or maybe even some AEW or indie grown guys that are now uh, you know on contract with AEW, they're going to be looking at that and, and being like, well, hey, hmm. I could do that too. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, I know a lot of uh, a lot of the guys that left WWE and, and went to AEW, um, you know, such as Moxley, Jericho, you know, these people, they they never really came out and said that like, oh. I hate Vince, you know, because they, I, I don't believe that they do. Yeah. Um, but they hated the, the creative box that they were put in yeah. and, and the time that they had at WWE and the things that they were forced to do, not just forced to do, you know, they're not being whipped or anything like that, but you know, it, it's the, they, I mean, they felt, I mean, I'm sure it felt very claustrophobic exactly. where it's like you want to have a, uh, some kind of freedom and, mm-hmm. Um, and they felt like they couldn't express that appropriately in the position that they were in. Yeah, I- I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure a certain percentage of the AEW roster with Triple H at the helm and seeing Cody are going to be more open to, um, yeah, answering that phone call. Perhaps so. You know, I mean, I still think that there's pro- like Moxley, for example. I, I, I would, I would. Uh, 
make a hedge my bets that that Moxley would ever go back to WWE. I, th- I think that he's he's found what he likes, and unless mm-hmm. AEW is a total failure, mm-hmm. um, I, I just don't see that being um, an avenue that he would explore for sure. Just because it, it's hard to kind of once you've been once you've been exposed to that much freedom at the level that he has. Um, it would be very difficult to, to kind of go back. Plus, he could always go to, to New Japan, yeah, uh, where yep. he found a lot of great success. Absolutely. So. And, and Moxley is so ingrained in, in AEW at this point that it, it would, I mean, it would be another shocking return, you know, if that were to happen. For sure. Um, but I would say that Moxley's, at least from what I'm seeing, Moxley seems very happy with where he is mm-hmm. and, and probably would not go back for sure yeah and, and i know that like i said with how ingrained he is in, in aew uh, i'm pretty sure tony khan would uh you know open the wallet so to speak to keep him around if those yeah. talks were to open up yeah he'd maybe hire him to work for the jacksonville jaguars you know if, if AEW was not water boy <laughs> yeah there you go uh great hype man <laughs> yeah. yeah um <laughs> So we've we've talked a lot about Triple H, but but we we did we did touch just very briefly on NXT, and I I do want your thoughts on this because yeah. uh, we have seen a huge shift from mm. the days of the black and gold yeah, that, yeah. that that you and I uh, cherished so much, mm-hmm. um, and now now it's very colorful. It's NXT 2.0. Yeah. Um, the landscape of that has changed radically. This was one of the the pet projects that that Vince and Nick Khan had before Vince stepped down. Yeah. Um, he, what we basically are, are seeing now, and again, this is not news to anybody. I'm you guys are probably watching the program regularly, um, but what it basically boils down to now is that there's. A lot of the talent that needs to go and just kind of help figure some things out are, are in NXT right now. Um, Apollo Crews, um, Mandy Rose. Uh, there's you know a, a few talents that are that are down there in NXT. Dolph Ziggler spent a little bit of time. The Ziggles, yeah, the, the yes, the Ziggles. <laughs> he spent a little bit of time in NXT 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the focus so far has been talent. Um, being being scouted out from, um, like collegiate athletes, like mm-hmm. collegiate basketball players, football players, um, wrestlers. maybe not wrest. I mean, a little bit of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some models here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, basically, people who have not really um. Who's playing the? Somebody's playing the bass next door. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but somebody's. Oh. Mm-hmm. Somebody's playing some, some bass. It seems like rock um, out, yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> um, so, it, what what we're seeing here is that there, there's a lot of these these collegiate athletes who've never really considered pro wrestling being an option, and now they're being scouted and given contracts, and they're they're learning to work. Right. But it's like, you know, it's a major departure from like the Triple H led era where he was picking up guys who were coming out of contract in ring of honor or right. on the indie scene or new Japan. And he was picking up these like real gyms that were greatly known, um, in like the deeper parts of wrestling community. Right. Um, and going, trying to make these, uh, you know, people stars. He's trying to find the next big star, at, you know, from athletes who never really 
would have explored wrestling in the first place. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, it makes perfect sense. And I, I think that's a little bit of what we touched on with, with Vince and kind of what his, um, you know, mindset of what makes a star is, is mm. uh, Vince... Look, I don't know Vince. I've never, I've never spoken to him. But the from the things that we've heard, the rumors, the you know things like that, Vince, Vince puts the look over over everything. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you have the look, and and you know you can you can put people in the seats. That's what mm-hmm. matters. Whether whether you're a, you know a good good worker or you know a great promo or anything like that. Do you have the look? Yeah. You know, and and I think that is kind of where the ideology with Triple H and Vince differs. Whereas Vince looks for the look and does everything separate. And Triple H looks for the work rate and how, and how good you are as, as a professional wrestler um, first, as opposed to the look. So that's, that's how you get people like Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, you know, elevated to the status that they are. Whereas, you know, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, they were never going to be the top guy in a Vince led smackdown or raw right they, they just never were and, yeah. and you know no matter how much you want that they they never were going to be that if if vince was there in mm. in my opinion just just based on everything i've seen and so now with triple h at the helm we could see that you know what i mean you, you think we could see a return back to maybe a little bit more of maybe may, maybe not fully in that direction of like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna just pick up every like indie darling on the scene right right but like i'm gonna bring in some bits and pieces who can really actually help cultivate um you know the uh the, the whole developmental kind of task and, and mesh these collegiate athletes with um uh, let's say, jeez, uh, I'm trying to think of like a like a really big uh, indie kind of person. I mean, we could we could like like your Garganos or your you know your your Chompas of, right, of right. yesteryear, basically. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, I, I think. I mean, you make a very good point. I think that's where NXT needs to look, uh, and mm-hmm. that that's the type of NXT that they need to look to become mm-hmm. is kind of having a nice mix of both. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With, with WWE, it's always going to be uh, sports entertainment to, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're, you're not going to NXT is not going to be ring of honor. NXT is not going to be, uh, you know, old school progress. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to be those types of promotions, but I do think to keep the, the hardcore fans, as well as the casual fans, there needs to be a nice mix of both of those. Mm. And uh, the NXT 2.0 that that we got, um, it, at least initially, was absolutely not that. Um, <laughs> and you know, I have I have my own uh, you know opinions of what uh, the Vince led NXT 2.0 was. Um, Tell uh, us, Stephen. Well, I, I mean the the black and gold that that's what got me back into wrestling right like, like 100% that's what got me back into wrestling and, and so to see all of that just kind of erased and and almost in like a it, i'm not saying that that Vince was like well i hate it we're going to erase all of that and we're going to change everything it it was it was a very radical shift on the first episode it was an extremely radical change yeah and and so um you know some people felt you know, betrayed when, when Cody went to WWE, I felt a little bit betrayed watching NXT 2.0 yeah. because it was just so radically different than the promotion that I fell in love with. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it, I'm, I'm not saying that 
that Vince hated it or, or anything like that, but Vince had a very, very drastically different idea of what NXT should be. Yeah. And I think under under Triple H, the black and gold, that was some of the best wrestling that was happening at the time. Uh, I mean, that you could put that up with any independent promotion out there, and it was just nonstop gold. Yeah. You know? So to speak. So to speak. You yeah. know? Um, <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended, yeah. And so seeing NXT 2.0 and, and kind of the 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 shift that they made and the direction that they were going and things like that, I was like, okay, I don't really want to be a part of this. This, yeah. is, this isn't what I'm looking for. Right. You know what well, I mean? And, and it's not to say, like, and, and we're going to probably circle back to, to some part of this conversation. So we've got we've got some hot takes, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. We've got some hot takes. Or so, like, people have asked us for our hot takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and um, we've gotten some hot takes from, from others. Yeah. Um, but, like, um, it, it's... I I feel like you, look if if NXT if you like NXT 2.0 that's fine yeah, like I'm not here to I'm not here to be like you should hate NXT 2.0 and right. NXT 2.0 is trash yeah it's certainly not for me yeah it doesn't sound like it's it's for you either mm-hmm. right if you love NXT 2.0 awesome that's totally cool mm-hmm. um my my feeling and I think it's your feeling too is is from from kind of what you said here is that it, it feels like a it was a, a major shift. Um, one that kind of caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah, there's a lot of people who who have embraced it though, mm-hmm. and that's totally fine. For me, and and I, and I think for you as well, um, what what's kind of hurt is that there these people are very much learning how to wrestle on live TV, right? And that's meant that the the quality of the pro wrestling, the in ring product itself, has gone from a very very high standard down to something that's um, in my opinion, mm-hmm. somebody, I mean, I've watched res- pro wrestling for 25 years. Yeah. You've watched for a very, a very long time yourself too, mm-hmm. right? It's gone from something that's very, very high quality product to something that it's like, oh yeah, I'm definitely watching people be like, learn. How I'm to, watching people learn. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. people learn to be pro wrestlers on TV. Absolutely. This is not like my cup of tea per se. Right. Right. Um, for sure. And, and you know, again, this is all our opinion. Right. You know, I, I'm not trying to sit here and say that you should hate it yeah. or, or that you shouldn't like the thing that you like. If you like the thing and you find enjoyment of it, awesome. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate you for that. You know, I, I don't like reality TV, but yeah. if you like reality TV, great. Watch your reality TV. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that you shouldn't watch that. Right. But yeah, like you said, I, I watched it. It was just such a dramatic change from. You know, NXT, they, they always said that NXT Black and Gold was like the development program. They right. always said that. It wasn't, in my opinion. It was the version of wrestling from WWE that I wanted. Right, that's, right. That's what it was. I thought I I would pick Black and Gold NXT over Raw and SmackDown every single day of the week. Right. And, and so watching that change from, okay, well, now, now SmackDown and Raw is really going to be the the only saving grace that WWE has when it comes to like in ring work, because yeah. at the very least, you know, you might not like the characters, you might not like the storylines of, of raw and SmackDown. At least you're going to see wrestlers that know what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and look, they're learning how to be wrestlers. That's fantastic. But that's, I don't want to watch them learn. I mm-hmm. want to watch people who know what they're doing. Well, and, and, and really, I mean, it wasn't even like, 
NXT's developmental, like, we're starting people from scratch. And and, and that's the argument that always got me about NXT. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, especially with people trying to justify NXT 2.0 and the direction that they're going in was like, well, NXT was always supposed to be like, it, that's the developmental. You're trying to make the stars of tomorrow and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the origins of NXT, you still had guys like Wade Barrett who had in-ring experience. He was yep. there on the very first thing of, of NXT that they ever did, mm-hmm. right? Um, when they did the, the Nexus and all that stuff, right? right? Everybody who was in that original NXT thing had some kind of pro wrestling experience mm-hmm. before they even got there. Um, you could look at guys like uh, Tyler Breeze or um, you know FTR, right? Yeah. Um, or you know a- anybody else who really kind of graced those doors of NXT. It was it, it. The model was never like, oh, these people are learning how to wrestle. Like mm-hmm. they've never wrestled a day in their life. It right. was people who, Sammy Callahan. That's another name that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. These are people that they knew how to wrestle. It was a matter of, okay, we need to take w- what you know about wrestling right now, and we're going to show you the WWE way exactly. of having to do it. That's what they mean exactly. by developmental is developing into our way of how we do things. And and that's really what it, what it meant uh, to to me, yeah. right? And and you can tell it by the amount of experience. And now it's like okay, it's not even that. It's now this is a wrestling school mm-hmm. now, right? Right, right. So yeah, and, and I I think that's where kind of the the disagreement between uh you know NXT 2.0 fans now and mm-hmm. NXT Black and Gold fans is is like the justification is the same, but it means two different things. Mm-hmm. The you know it. You're saying it's development for black and gold. Okay, but these people know how to wrestle. They're just being taught how WWE wants them to wrestle mm-hmm. and, and how the, the characters and, and gimmicks and style that WWE wants them to have. Whereas in NXT 2.0, yeah, it's still developmental, but it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing at all, you know? Just w- one last note on NXT, and then we're, we're gonna we're gonna switch gears just a little bit. Uh, so a, a new development here within NXT is that uh, NXT UK is is collapsing. They released a lot of talent uh, mm-hmm. f- from within the NXT uh, UK roster. Um, <laughs> Tyler Bate is actually your your new NXT UK champion. Um, there you go, Mustache Mountain. Um, and, and we're going to be getting some kind of War of the Worlds showdown between NXT 2.0 and, and the what's left of NXT UK. Um, and this is going to be ushering in the new NXT Europe model mm-hmm. is is the reported plan that, that many have uh, been uh, been talking about. And that it's going to be more of a, a whole European kind of thing. So not just the UK, but we're probably going to be looking at uh, Germany, Italy... Spain, France, a lot of different uh, cultures mashing up to make this this European style um, uh, product that will most likely be on Peacock or or somewhere, right? right? Mm -hmm. So, um, what what do you think about that? Because it 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 seemed like back in the day when we were still doing the show more consistently, you know, NXT UK basically took all of the progress roster and was like, okay, this is. This is NXT UK now. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. They basically uh, just rebranded progress. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now that it's becoming more of a whole European thing, how do you see that working out? I mean, it's it's a cool prospect for sure. Uh, I, I'm definitely not going to look at him and, and, and say that 
um, you know, that doesn't sound cool. That sounds, that sounds cool. In my opinion, it sounds great. Uh, you know, bringing in, bringing in more talent, I think it's not necessarily always a good thing, but more options are a good thing for sure. Mm-hmm. And bringing in, bringing in more people, seeing who works, seeing who doesn't, that's cool. That's a good prospect. Um, one thing, and I, this just popped into my head. It's, it's kind of weird that there's, it's called NXT 2.0 and NXT Europe. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like a, like they're not branded the same, you know? Yeah. Like it's almost like NXT 2.0 should be called NXT US. Yeah. NXT America. Yeah. Like, like something like that. Especially if, um, Ma- making wrestling great again. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? M- Muga. Make wrestling great again. Mwaga. Mwaga. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's a cool concept. You know what I mean? I think a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of U.S. Uh, fans that, at, in terms of uh, wrestling outside of the states, uh, you know, one of your one, one of your only options is uh, you know New Japan or, or maybe Stardom or, yeah. or something like well, that. And they, and they tried to do the the NXT Japan thing where they wanted to buy. I think it was they were, they were trying to buy All Japan yeah, or yeah. DDT. They tried to buy a couple different companies. Noah, I think, was maybe on the, also on their list. Yeah, yeah. And they tried to do NXT Japan and uh, that 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 ended quickly very quickly yeah yeah um it's 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 an interesting idea uh i don't really know what it's going to look like in practice necessarily um one of the things i think is that um nxt europe for it to be successful i think needs to their demographic shouldn't be like u.s watchers it should like it should be a product for europe you know what i mean like Mm. uh, i I think that's a that's a very important thing because if you if you try to bring in um you know uh germans french spanish things like that uh americans like don't really know what they're saying you know and and that and that's going to be a barrier for a lot of people you know what i mean and that that was a barrier for me with new japan for a long time is like okay these guys are are insanely talented like insanely talented but i don't want to hear this promo translated by the commentator i don't yeah you know what i mean and so and that might just be a personal preference on my part i might be generalizing a little bit but for it to be successful i think it needs to be a product for europeans yeah um i still think the wrestling is going to be I, I would imagine that with this kind of clean slate, the wrestling is going to be off the charts. Absolutely. It's going to be top-notch. Yeah. I, I think NXT UK's wrestling has always been great, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I don't see that changing with NXT Europe. In fact, I, I see that, you know, being elevated even yeah. more. I, I feel like it's going to be a much different thing than what we're getting with NXT 2.0. Oh, for sure. Uh, absolutely. And, and especially with NXT Europe, you know, this is a this is a change that's coming about during all of this other change with the WWE hierarchy and things like that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't think triple H is going to be like the day to day guy for NXT Europe, but with in with triple H at the helm, I feel like NXT Europe has a, a higher chance of, uh, you know, being a promotion that people like you and me would watch more than, uh, you know, maybe a fan of NXT 2.0. Cause I think mm-hmm. they're, I think they're going to be very, very different products. Yeah. Pers- personally. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, uh, I'm curious if you know this rebranding of NXT Europe is is just kind of the first step of, or maybe the second step of what we're seeing. Uh, you know, they tried the NXT Japan thing. Are they going to be trying a, you know, a NXT? You know, maybe they will bring the NXT Japan thing back. Maybe they will mm-hmm. bring a NXT Australia, NXT South America, South America, India. You know, things like this. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that was the that was a plan that they had for quite some time. Was we want to have. 
developmental territories all throughout the world. You know, kind of like uh, kind of like Ultron. You know, <laughs> wiring the world uh, yeah. to, to be a, a safer place. Yeah. You know, with a, a suit of armor around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, now, and forever. Yeah. Yeah. Together. I mean, together. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if if I want that uh, personally. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, yeah. WWE for better or worse, they have a very distinct style of what they want. You know, there, there's a distinct style of what what they want the product to be and, and what they want uh, the product to look like uh, for people. And uh, I don't I don't necessarily know if like a global force of WWE is necessarily healthy healthy yeah i mean uh you know monopolies are never good yeah um but i don't know it it, it'll be interesting to watch for Mm. sure and and they're not going to just rebrand nxt uk as nxt europe without some bigger plan there you Mm. know like obviously nxt uk to nxt europe that's an expansion in of itself Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the NXT Japan thing didn't work out, but I mean, look, they have the, they have the billions of dollars to try it again mm-hmm. if they'd like. It'll be interesting to watch, I will mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to necessarily be completely on board with it, yeah. but hey, yeah, more wrestling is more wrestling. Could yeah. be good. Hey, I'm, I'm ready for NXT North Korea, personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kim Jong-un! <laughs> Ring the bell. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, wrong bell. Wrong bell. Um, uh, moving on, because we, we talked about uh, uh, Japan a little bit. Hmm. Um, let, let's talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the G1 just ended. Yes. Uh, Jay White is your current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And uh, Kazuchika Okada, uh, oh, my wife has texted me on my computer. Um, mm, um, (laughs) No, I I don't need anything from the store. Okay. You you sure? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Thanks, man. Thank you for asking. Maybe a Sammy? Maybe. maybe, I'll make it a Sammy. (laughs) Um, Okay, thank you. Thank thank you, honey. Um, so, So... um, so Okada's won the G1. I believe this is his second year in a row winning the G1, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Um, hi, Millie. Our dog has joined the conversation. Millie girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, she doesn't make any noise. She just, so cute. She just yawns. Yeah. Um, and stares longingly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but but they did it a little bit different this year. They, they did four blocks of, right. of the G1, and I think the hope was to try and get... Like more wrestlers, the exposure, but also try and lighten the load for everybody all the way around. And then it became a thing where it's like, oh yeah, we're basically gonna book the same four guys to to like really excel. Um, you know, with you know, uh, you know, your your known quantities here, and it just ended up being a lot more work for for them. Right, right. <laughs> um, so. But uh, apparently Okada and Will Ospreay really rocked it out in the G1 finals. Um, more, I guess, to my point here, do you feel like with New Japan, because they, they've kind of gone a little bit off the rocker since the pandemic started. Yeah. And um, do you feel like New Japan 
has an issue with maybe booking all the same guys all the time in, in such high positions. Um, I mean, should they have maybe pulled the trigger on Osprey as kind of um, as much as it would have been questionable to maybe some Western audiences? Would it would I mean would that have maybe been something different? Um, I mean, what 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 could New Japan kind of do to to help things kind of going forward? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that. I think it is kind of a, I don't want to necessarily say a problem because, you know, the, the, these big guys, you know, your, your Takahashi's, your, your Okada's and things like that. They're, they're huge, obviously. And Mm -hmm. they're a draw and everything like that. Um, but I don't want to see new Japan kind of fall into the same rut that WWE did for a very long time where it's like, you have your top guys that you're, that are pushed over and over and over and over and over again. and, And you, you start to feel like you're seeing the same matches, uh, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out, or or even by the year. You know what I mean? And so Okada being, you know, winning twice in a row. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing chatter online that I things things are said that I would have never thought are being said. Mm. I, I'm seeing people say I am so over Okada. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, and, and that's that is not a thing that you want to hear said about your top guy. You know what I mean? Um. And so I just don't want to see them get caught in the same rut that WWE is. You you need to be you need to be building your guys, and you need to give these people the chance. Um, Osprey, yes, they one hundred percent should have pulled the trigger on Osprey. I think he's I think he's super hot. Not like that. Yeah, I mean he's a good looking guy for sure. Mm. Good looking guy. Mm. Uh, but no, he's you know he's he's huge. And he's gotten huge too, bulked up and everything yeah. like that. Um, he's I, getting a lot of airtime on AEW right now too. Yep, and, and I think for a Western audience too, people love Osprey. Mm-hmm. Pe- people over here love Osprey. People over there love Osprey. And, and I think it's important to when you're seeing that, when when you're seeing these guys get elevated and you're seeing these pops and and you're seeing the crowd reactions with these guys, mm-hmm. give them the shot. Yeah, you know what I mean because. Obviously, what you're doing is not working as well as it could. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, now, I, I'm not going to say that Okada winning the G1 is a travesty because it's not. It's, it's Okada. Yeah. He's going to put on a, a great match and everything like that. But you just don't want to get to a point where it becomes stale. Right. And, and we're getting to a point where some of these matches are becoming, wait, wait, is this a rematch? Was the am I watching last year's G one? Am I yeah. wait, hold on. Because you're seeing a lot of the same repeated matches. Yeah. And I feel like they they have specifically Osprey, they have him stuck in this rut where he's he's going against all the top guys and, and putting on insanely good matches. He's coming to the West and putting on insanely good matches. Yeah. But then he goes back to New Japan and it kind of means nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's still a big I think he's a very big star in New Japan. And and obviously this goes without saying say and believe what you will about his personal life, right? right? Like, that's been talked to death. I don't think that we have to really touch on that all too much ourselves here, personally. Yeah. Right? Um, but, uh, I mean, he, he made some interesting points in the promo that he cut the night before he was going to face Okada. Um, after he beat Naito, he was talking about how, you know, he needs to, or, or he, he'd only beaten Okada once out of the seven times that they face each other, and that was with outside interference, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that th- you've you've also got to take into cons- like so that that in and of itself is a problem for sure, right? You know, you can't have Okada beating Osprey 
every single time. Right. I know that uh, Jap- uh, Japanese promotions are very protective of Japanese wrestlers. Of they don't want to always put over like the um, uh, like the foreigner, the outsider, right? right. Um, and that in itself is, is a interesting dynamic. I mean, and, and it's cool, and yeah. I, I think that is a, an interesting, very um, like New Japan specific mindset that makes some of their storylines pretty interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, you, you also heard him say that um, he he wants to help take New Japan out of the the dark ages again. Where then that was like almost a very like eerily kind of a Kenny Omega kind of thing to say because that was something that Kenny uh, made allusions to not so long ago when he was still in New Japan and he really Kenny himself really kind of ingratiated himself into Japanese pro wrestling. He learned the, the Japanese language. He yeah. he made his residence in Japan. You know, like you know, like he's still like an icon for Japanese pro wrestling, for sure. right? Um, but kind of what him and the young bucks and all these other guys did Cody, um, you know, hangman page, what they, what they all kind of did with this partnership that new Japan had at the time with ring of honor is that they did, it kind of expose new Japan to the West. And then with all these kind of connections and with Kenny, just putting on killer match after killer match after killer match is that he, you know, he, he ultimately helped bring, you know, new Japan out of these dark gauges um, you know, I mean, Chris Jericho for, for all intents and purposes, he, he certainly had a hand in it yeah. you know, as much as he thinks that he did it all on his own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he at least was, was helpful in that part of the process, but, um, it's interesting that he, that he even had to say like, Will Ospreay had to say like, oh yeah, new Japan's in the dark ages right now. Mm-hmm. Like the, the biggest Western exposure that they've had was forbidden door, which was a killer pay-per-view. Yeah. But to the surprise of no one, right? You know, <laughs> like if you don't like Forbidden Door, then I mean, I don't, I don't know if I can help you, yeah. right? Like this, like watch like, NXT 2.0. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, you, but, but yeah, um, but I think that that's the that's the major, uh, I guess, struggle is like, like wow, like I can and I can almost pinpoint it to like them giving evil the title. Like a couple of years back, yeah. <laughs> but I mean that—that's kind of around the time that I myself kind of checked out. Yeah, was of, like, oh, of New Japan. This guy, mm-hmm. weird, cool. Yeah, have fun with that. Um, I, I think unifying those those belts. Um, the the, the was IWGP Intercontinental Championship and mm-hmm. the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I think them merging those titles was weird. Yeah, I think that um, the belt was disgusting. The the new belt is gross. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, that's um, so bad. Yeah, it's just weird. They didn't go back, right? They're still using that bill. Yep, yep, yep. Disgusting. It's, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and they they even like you remember how it used to be like that cool thing where they would like show like thirty years worth of champions, mm, mm-hmm. and then like, it, <laughs> uh, and then they would have like th- the official bout, right? Right. Um. Well, now it's just like okay, here are all the people who've held the new championship and it's just like six people's worth. Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like, oh, that's Shingo Takagi. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, they showed Okada like three times. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I really do. I want to hope for New Japan because I think that for, for people who want something different, mm. um, 
or something that is maybe a little bit more, um, ah, geez, I don't want to say affluent, but like if you've been in and around wrestling long enough, like sometimes you just want like, you know, like, like I love vanilla ice cream, but sometimes I want like Rocky road Road, or some, or some fish food or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just a different flavor. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And it comes down to, you know, getting, getting tired of something or something becoming stale doesn't necessarily mean that it's inherently bad. Yeah. You know, and, and I, don't, I don't think either of us are arguing that, that New Japan is bad now. That's not that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still putting on great matches. They still have an insane roster of incredibly talented people. But it, it needs... New Japan needs a shot of something yeah. right now. Something different, something big. Something different, something big, just, just something different. And I think the pandemic hurt them a lot because they weren't yeah. able to bring over a lot of their Western guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like that's starting to taper a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, hopefully, you know, you can see a, a, uh, Brian Danielson having yeah. an NXT, uh, not an NXT run, a New Japan run, or a um, FTR, who are current IWGP Tag Team Champions. We're, mm-hmm. We'll talk about AEW here in a minute. But, you know, I think you need to have some kind of... Um, there, there's got to be some kind of fix right, somewhere, right. right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and just say that like, oh, New Japan needs to bring a bunch of Westerners in, and that's right. really going to elevate the product. No, yeah. for sure. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. You know, New Japan is is very much its own thing with its its own history and, and its own, uh, you know, sort of things that their audience is is expecting and and likes and appreciates, and and I respect that. You know what I mean? But it it feels like they've fallen into some some trappings. That's they, they were them. they that's, were. They were going like this for a very long time. Oh, for, for those at home, Stevens point, pointing upwards, pointing with, upwards. His, with his hand, yeah, up, upward, <laughs> upward trajectory. Um, and, and then you know, it's it's funny that you bring that up. You know, they they put the title on Evil, and, and it kind of just plateaued. Yeah, and like, then from there, it's, it's like it hasn't been bad. It's pandemic. Just, it's just starting to kind of drift off. Yeah, it's 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 going down a little bit. It's 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 so much more of the same. It feels very repetitive. Yeah. Exactly. I would agree with that yeah. for sure. Um, and, and here's to hoping that there's some kind of shift within uh, you know, New Japan that helps kind of break that mold yeah. a, a little bit better. I think that that would really go and, and help them. I think them acquiring stardom is helpful because mm. stardom can be a really big product for them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's time to start really pushing the next generation of stars. Yeah. Um, it's fun. giving Brock Lesnar winning money in the bank vibes. Yeah, we, we we need to have we need to start seeing the new pillars of New Japan, the 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 stars of tomorrow. We need to start right. breaking them through and making them uh, big and known. And you know, hell, like if Shota Umino, uh, you know, pins Okada in the G one next year, then dude, by all means, let's let's go, let's do it. And, and you know, yeah, and, and all all I'm saying is. Try it. I want to see a G1 where Okada is at the bottom of the rankings. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> why not? Because he's always top one one or two, mm-hmm. maybe three for like a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, look, Okada's great. Like, like Okada's fantastic. Yeah. Okada is one of the best wrestlers in the world. It's, it's 100%. Roman Reigns vibes, though. A exactly. Little bit. Exactly. Like Roman Reigns circa five years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about AEW, mm-hmm. so so let's talk about AEW some more. Yeah. Uh, so Tony Khan 
you know, owner of AEW, mm-hmm. also bought Ring of Honor. Mm. What do you think of that? Because I, I, I don't think we watched a whole lot of Ring of Honor when we were mm-hmm. doing the podcast. We didn't. We we caught things every now and then, mm-hmm. uh, but we we weren't so into into Ring of Honor at the time. Um, a little bit of a different vibe. A little bit, yeah. Um, I will say, I wanna I wanna hold out um, a little bit and kind of see where it goes. I, I will say what what Tony Khan's trying to do with AEW and Ring of Honor could have been done without him purchasing Ring of Honor. Mm. Uh, I. I I really think that um, it, it, you know, you could, you know, the thing they did with Impact, where where they're having the the dual card and and all of these things, you have you have wrestlers being, uh, you know, borrowed from Impact, borrowed to Impact, and things like that. You can do the same thing without buying Ring of Honor, right? Um, not to say that that's it, it's inherently a bad thing. Like he shouldn't have done that, uh, right? But I will say, I don't want this to turn into a uh, WWE buying progress and changing progress to NXT UK. Like I, I don't want to, I, I think multiple promotions, multiple independently owned promotions is a good thing. Yeah. And I don't want to see AEW fall into the same trap that WWE is. We're like, Oh, we're getting really good TV ratings. We're making a bunch of money. Let's, let's start buying up a bunch of people. Let's start signing everyone that we can. Let's buy all the promotions that we can and things like that. I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying that, this is like evidence that that is going to be the case. Hmm. But if in five, six years time, he, he buys impact and then he buys, you you know, whatever Hmm. we can look at this as, Oh, this is, this was the start of AEW buying up everybody. You know what I mean? And I don't want to look back in five years and say, Oh, this was the start of, of AEW kind of, uh, you know, monopolizing the indie scene or whatever. Oh, for sure. Well, and kind of on that same note uh, 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 of buying up everybody, so to speak, one of the big criticisms leveled at AEW right now yeah. is like this constant feeling of, you know, they're buying up a lot of the ex WWE talent. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they brought in over last summer, they brought in, um, they brought in CM Punk. Mm-hmm. They brought in Adam Cole. They brought in Brian, Brian Danielson. Danielson. Uh, later in the year, they brought in Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they brought in um, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've brought in. Um, th- it just seems like the list goes on. They brought in Jeff Hardy, mm. which is something that we predicted a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, um, he's now in rehab. Mm. Um, which, you know, sad. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we, we've spoken on and on about Jeff Hardy yeah. and obviously that's when, when I was a kid, Jeff Hardy was the guy that, mm. that was my guy for sure. And so it's, it's really sad to see that he's kind of still struggling in mm. AEW with what he was struggling with in WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you, you can't, you can't blame anybody but Jeff yeah. for that. You know, it, it is what it is. But at the same time, it, it's kind of a um, it, it's kind of proof that you shouldn't just buy up everybody because of their name, right? You know, well, and I, and I think that it's proof that he he should have taken his situation more serious. Yeah, right. Um, well, and, and honestly, I I think Tony should have also. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think moreover here, just kind of as a continuation here mm-hmm, for sure. Um, I mean, they, sorry, I'm segueing all no, over the place. No, no, you're fine. Like it's a podcast, yeah. It's like free <laughs> free ride here. 
Uh, Cesaro, another mm. the the biggest, most latest talent that they've picked up here. Yeah. Um, and that's on top of all the people that they had already had, right? Your Miro's, your uh, your Ma- Malachi Black was picked up. Yeah, Buddy Murphy was picked up. Um, now he's B- Buddy Matthews, of course. Mm. Um, you've just had a lot of people that have come in the door that were previously in WWE or in NXT, right? And they're they're uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. Those are another another big names, right? Oh God, Kyle so, O'Reilly. So they've yeah, he's a great wrestler. So good. Um, but you've had all these people being picked up. Is, is, is this too much, right? Because like now it's like, oh, okay, well, now there might be a little bit of a perception that, oh, this is just like the WWE guys who couldn't cut it. Right, right. And, and you know, that that has been a sentiment since since Moxley, really. Like mm-hmm. since, since, since they signed Moxley. And obviously Moxley has done, in my opinion, mm-hmm. way more for himself in AEW than he ever did in WWE. Obviously, S.H.I.E.L.D. was huge. Yeah. But... It was Shield that was huge. It wasn't Dean Ambrose. Yeah, you know, I I think that with with Moxley it was a little bit different. Where there's there's like a whole bunch of fanfare behind it because it was like, oh, he's here and he's immediately going after Kenny Omega. Yeah, yeah, right. Like he's immediately going after Chris Jericho. This is like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, cool, it's Ember Moon. Right, right. Or um, and, and I mean, you even had MJF talk on it where he was like, oh yeah, you'd rather. You know, you you wouldn't want to like renegotiate my contract, but you'd rather go and pick up a bunch of ex WWE guys. And he has a point. And he has a point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chris Dadlander even cut a promo on Ruby Riot saying essentially the same thing, mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you're just an ex WWE person, right? right? Does that make kind of the a I'm, I'm I'm going to regretfully use this term these AEW originals? Yeah. Does that I mean that kind of uh, like devalues them a little bit don't you think yeah yeah no i i do think that for sure i mean i mean obviously cm punk huge name right brian danielson huge name john moxley huge name all, all these people and, and john moxley to a lesser extent i think i think john moxley's more AEW than he than he was wwe in in my opinion yeah um but <clears throat> it, it does kind of devalue what separates AEW from WWE and, and is kind of you know yes John Moxley his situation was different for sure but mm-hmm. even back then you heard you know talks and people say like oh well I don't want them to just buy up all the WWE guys mm-hmm. and uh Tony Khan kind of heard that and said mm-hmm. well I don't care I'm going to keep doing that and, and he's been doing that and it's been over and over and over again and so you get in these positions where it's like Okay, yeah, you know, Ember Moon's here, cool, you know, and no, no disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, Ember Moon being signed is is so lackluster by comparison because she comes in and you're like, Okay, well, what is she gonna do? Right. Like you, you know, like you, you bring in Cesaro and it's like, Okay, that's cool, like I love Cesaro, but like what do you have for him? Right. And I and I think it, it's it's totally dependent on the situation, right? Yeah. Like, um like like let's run through a few scenarios. Like Brian Danielson, um, and I've I've heard people make some really shitty arguments about <laughs> about about Brian Danielson, where they were like, yeah, they brought him out um, at the pay per view at the end of the show, and then they just threw him into a match with Kenny Omega. Like, where was the build? And it's like, dude, they built that for like two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah, right. It took them two or three weeks between the end of that pay per view and AEW Grand Slam to have Brian Danielson have 
this dream match with Kenny Omega. And what build do you really, what more build do you really need than it being a dream match that people have talked about for years? Right, right. That has only happened once before in PWG when Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson were completely different wrestlers at right. the time. That was well over 10 years ago. Right. That's one thing, right? Um, I, 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 even Cesaro, right? Brian Danielson recruited Cesaro basically as a mystery opponent to face Zack Saber Jr. at Forbidden Door because Brian Danielson couldn't be cleared, mm-hmm. right? We we were this close to having the the Brian Danielson Zack Saber Jr. match that we had talked about for years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there was a purpose with bringing in Cesaro, but like I think more to your point. And again, this is no disrespect to somebody like um, Ember Moon or Man, we're really uh, throwing Ember or, Moon under or, the bus here, uh, or or I'll even say Jeff Hardy, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Um, there was no build for Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Like he came out, and the, uh, this is probably the most like patented point that I think I could make about it. Mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, people had thought about, okay, well, you know, maybe they're going to reunite the Hardys for one one last big run. Yeah, and Matt Hardy was put in this precarious position. And then it was like, you know, uh, what was it? Andrade family business attacked Matt Hardy in the middle of the ring. And then you hear the old Hardy Boys music. Yeah. And Jeff Hardy comes out, but he's doing his WWE dance on yep. the stage yep. before he hits the ring. Yeah, dude, your brother's getting attacked. Like, right. Like, this is a very, like, un... Like, like you would see that in WWE but I, I wouldn't have expected that in the AEW. There's kind of more, yeah. a more logical kind of like dynamic behind mm-hmm. it, besides it being more of like a, a showmanship kind of thing, mm-hmm. whereas WWE is, right? Absolutely. So, so I think that kind of turned a lot of people off. I think that, you know, other signings that are just like totally unexpected, not really kind of clamored for these kind of things happening. Like, um, and not to throw this guy under the bus either, but Parker Boudreau mm-hmm. is now like, there is kind of a little bit of like, okay, well, you you uh, you got this guy here, and and he's not the only one. They've picked up a few NXT 2.0 guys that were released. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, did you consider maybe that these guys weren't like all that in a bag of chips? Like I thought this was all elite wrestling. Like right. you're trying to go after the best of the best. Right, right. Uh, at what at what what point is it that you're like? just signing people for the sake of signing them. Yeah, and, and I honestly, I think we've been seeing that for a while now. And, and like you said, to your point uh, of it devaluing, like you said, such a weird term, but AEW Originals, yeah. um, I, I think it I think it does do that a little bit because then, then you get to a point of you're not – you're not building this guy up. You're just paying a bunch of money for the fanfare and, and for the headline and, right. and, and things like that, which is something that, you know, we were critical of WWE for, for doing for, for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think it's fair for us to critique WWE for that and then give AEW a pass. Um, so yeah. I, I think AEW is definitely in a weird space right now. And, and Tony Khan needs to, you know, sit down and really think if this is the kind of, direction that he wants to take because you know you have you have dynamite you have rampage you have dark and now you have ring of honor and now you have ring of honor and somehow you still don't have enough space for everybody you know what i mean and and so um you know maybe it maybe it's a it's a uh dial it back a bit yeah but maybe dial it back a a bit but also maybe you need to make a point of elevating rampage yeah elevating dark 
bringing Re- Ring of Honor to to a bigger stage, which I'm I'm sure is you know part of his plan and things like that. But really, you have Dynamite, and that's your big product, and and you have all these guys that you you can make an absolutely crazy star studded, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> card with uh, you know, a bunch of huge huge ex WWE names, but you don't want to have that every week. But then, but then you get caught in this rut where you know you you show someone on Dynamite and they they have a really good showing, but then oh, but next week we really have to show CM Punk, so let's put him on Rampage. You know what I mean? Um, and maybe that's a problem with with AEW not elevating Rampage or Dark enough, or 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 what? Maybe mm. maybe it needs to be you know WWE has SmackDown, Raw, NXT, NXT Europe, all, all these things, and they they do. They have too many people for sure, but AEW is now getting into that same problem where they have too many people and not enough space and not enough, not enough space for the headlines. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're caught in this rut where do we put on a really great match with this guy that maybe is not the biggest draw or do we just do uh CM Punk versus Moxley again or, or, you know, Brian Danielson versus Cesaro, you know, all, all of these, all of these things. And it's, it's not, <sighs> AEW is still very good, right? It is still very good, and, and but we're we're in the beginnings of what I would consider. Um, if they continue down this route, it could be a problem for them coming up very soon. I think it's a, it's 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 not the first growing pain, but it's it's like it's still a major growing pain in 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 a very, um, in a very big way, mm-hmm. right? Um, I really think that the next frontier that Tony Khan needs to explore is not just, you don't need to sign these ex-WWE guys. You don't need to sign everybody. You don't need to sign these, these ex-NXT guys, right? Again, that's no disrespect to Parker Boudreaux and, I don't know, there's some guy who wrestled, uh, a couple weeks ago who was a former NXT 2.0 guy and it was like he tried to really he tried really hard to make himself a star, but I I really don't I, I really don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's it's um it was just really awkward. And that's the that's a example of booking for the headline, right? And not booking for the show, right? No, know? for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, like and it's no it's no disrespect for, to to these guys here, but I think there's there's levels to to the learning. Like the, those guys are very early in their career, and it could t- totally turn out in their favor, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. But I think on the other hand, um, so AEW brought in this guy Takeshita, mm. um, who was on excursion from DDT uh, in Japan, and he was amazing. Yeah. He was amazing, and the AEW fans really took to him. Mm-hmm. You need to find people like that. Yeah. You need to find more Takesh does, unless you know less Boudreaux and and you know uh, less less of these other like NXT 2.0 guys, mm-hmm. right? Like you need to find like you need to bring in a talent that's like relatively unknown, mm-hmm. right? But really hype them up and make them into a big deal and like let the audience get endeared to them, right? Absolutely. I mean, look look at look at AEW when it first started. You know, they they built they built their own stars and they, they were doing a very good job of that. I mean, you had, uh, you know, Jurassic express, you can have your opinions on them. Some people don't like Jurassic express. I think they're great. 
I yeah. think Jurassic, Jurassic Express is awesome. You know, you, you have people like Chris Statlander, uh, Hangman Adam Page, uh, Orange Cassidy, uh, you know, all these people that you, I guess, now, you know, a few years in, you can you can call them AEW originals. Uh, all, all of those people, they, they, they were around before AEW, but really AEW brought them into like the big spotlight. And, and AEW did a very, very good job of building these stars. And now you look at, you look at dynamite from a year into AEW and you look at a dynamite card from from this year like next week and it's like wait is that is that raw yeah it, it, is that smackdown this doesn't feel right it, it, it's it's just a little weird and I, i'm worried that uh, you know for a long time AEW they were they were booking themselves as the alternative brand yeah. they, they they had their own identity they they had their own set of fans their own set of stars that that were loved by that set of fans mm. and now it it almost feels like we're in the beginning stages of AEW kind of losing themselves maybe losing losing mm-hmm. their identity mm-hmm. a little bit and and i think that it, you know maybe it has something to do with the Cody stuff that you brought up earlier mm-hmm. and it's like okay maybe these people who were here in the beginning you know we're starting to see a fewer of those people here um you know, and and is that going to be a problem? You know, again, these are growing pains, right? Yeah. But um, it, it is very interesting. It's some something to look out for for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we've talked about some XWWE guys. Let's let let's kind of zero in on a, on a on a few here. Yeah, there's a developing situation right now between CM Punk and Hangman Adam Page, and John Mox is kind of in the middle of it too, mm-hmm. right? Um. And I think that it almost embodies the the exact conversation that we're having here. Yeah. Um, CM Punk came in about a year ago. I think it makes it makes a year ago like this week or something crazy like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so CM Punk comes in a year ago, and within a year, he's now beaten Hangman Adam Page. He he then won the AEW Championship off of him. There was a really kind of weird dynamic in the promos between the two. And that it felt like knives were out a little bit uh, yeah. between them. Yeah, and I I don't know, I, I don't know what the story between the two of them is. Yeah. But from what I'm what I'm seeing and like some things I've read, apparently there's there's some bad blood there yeah. somehow. I I don't I don't know the inner workings of it or anything like that. But they from what I'm seeing, it seems like either punk has a problem with hangman or hangman has a problem with punk and they don't like each other for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a bit of both. Um, so from what, from what I recall, mm-hmm. uh, this is, this is actually per Brian Alvarez of, of the wrestling observer. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did a wrestling observer live and he, he was kind of pressed on the question as to what he thought it was. And uh, apparently, um, at some point, um, Hangman kind of made it vocal that he thought that bringing in that, that that CM Punk really was a cancer in the locker room, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, uh, that, that probably hurt Punk's feelings a bit, and he took that pretty personally. Right. And so he kind of made it known too that he wasn't really big on Hangman. And uh, well, I think they're both pros. Mm-hmm. But I think this is kind of developing into almost like a Brett and Sean kind of thing, right? Where they they're they're gonna work with each other, they're gonna be professional about it. But <clears throat> out like while they're in the ring, but outside of the ring, I think they're gonna it's it's definitely boiling over into a situation. And 
on this past week's Dynamite, as of the time of this recording, you know, CM Punk had a, a very odd promo where he was he sat down cross-legged in the middle of the ring and called out Hangman Page. Hangman Page was not at that taping. Mm-hmm. And then he went on this weird tirade about him being like uh, a coward for not showing up. Yeah, coward and, shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was very strange, man. Mm-hmm. And, and it's uh, it's reported that that was not that was not known to Tony Khan, right? And, and that that was an unscripted thing that CM Punk decided to to say. Yeah. So, well, and then you had Moxley come out, and um, I think Punk kind of tried to wheel the same persona in. He's done this a few times before where, where we would have the Summer of Punk, where it was it's only really been fully achieved within Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, he, he turns heel, basically, when he has that championship and that power. It's, all, it's almost like Thanos when he has all the, the, yeah, the, stones, all the stones on his gauntlet. <laughs> and, and he, you know, he basically turns super heel and is just like really cutting with his promos and makes things really personal and whatnot. And um, I don't know, Moxley kind of stood toe to toe with him on the microphone and basically said, like, you know, your your microphone means nothing if you can't back this up, essentially. Right. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird little dynamic that they have going on within, you know, this, between the three of them, CM Punk, Hangman and, and Moxley. Um, so in kayfabe, of course, yeah. they're going to have this, this match next week. A lot of people thought this was going to be the main event of all out, but it's, in fact, next week they're going to have a title unification match, CM Punk and John Moxley mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Um, so it's almost, y- yes, thank you, honey. Uh, she's still texting me on the computer. I should probably just mute this. Bing. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, so basically, in Moxley's backyard, they're going to do the, you know, the, this uh, unification match, and all that was supposed to be in Chicago, which is Punk's hometown, right? So, like, I don't know. How do you see this whole thing playing out here? Well, I mean, Punk is kind of put. Tony Khan in a strange position with this, you know, um, because like you said, it was, it was supposed to be the, the main event of all out. And, and so now I think because of the call out with hangman, they're kind of having to, he's kind of put Tony Khan on his heels and is having to kind of rethink what they're doing here. Um, d- does that mean that because of this, now they're going to have punk go over on, on Moxley so that they can still do like a punk hangman? At all out, possibly. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't really know. I, I think that this this calling out of Hangman is not necessary, um, in, in my opinion. I, I don't think that CM Punk really had the um, the right, the authority, yeah, the the authority and the right to do that. Um, like, like you said, you know, he's got this summer of Punk thing going on, and, and he's, you, you know, CM Punk's always kind of had this there's always a little a little sprinkling of realism yeah. in all of his all of his feuds you know what i mean he yeah um you can you can almost argue depending on you know this is going to change depending on who you're asking but you can almost say that he goes a little too far sometimes you know yeah and, and this might be an i think ex- that's fair I, I think this might be an example of that where look dude you're huge you're one of the biggest guys in the world right now you're their champion and everything like that but i don't think you should be 
throwing around weight that you don't have and that you haven't earned. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, yes, you're CM Punk. Yes, you're the champion. But you don't own this company. And I, I think you need to take a step back and kind of realize that there are other plans going on, whether you like them or not. And yeah. you need, I mean, AEW affords their wrestlers a lot of freedom, but that doesn't mean that you should take that freedom for mm-hmm. yourself. You know what I mean? Um, th- this is a conversation that could have happened with Tony and, and y'all could have planned together. If, if what Tony's plans didn't work, like whatever his plans were, if they didn't work for you, you can go talk to him because we've heard nothing but great things from, you know, wrestlers going to Tony Khan and being like, well, I want to do this. How can we do this? Let's work on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think on the creative side, I mean, I think Tony affords his talent a lot of freedoms hmm. that that you not, would not, certainly would not under Vince in WWE. But, I mean, otherwise in WWE, you might not necessarily be afforded the same level of, of freedoms, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it is... I think it's interesting that that they're doing this match next week. I think a lot of people's minds go to, oh, well, that must mean that um, Punk's going over, and then they're going to do Punk Hangman at all out, kind of like what you what you I guess projected here. Yeah. Um, I I think that one one interesting thing that a lot of people. Um, online and a lot of a lot of like sports writers and 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 people like Bleacher Report I think did did a similar kind of poll mm-hmm. and, and you've seen other polls on Twitter about this too but um, there was a um, th- there's almost a logic to uh, when Punk made his return from his foot injury and he did the standoff with Moxley I mean you could certainly provide an argument that. Moxley's really kind of carried the company, not just in his first run, but in this run as well, when they were on the spot, um, they needed somebody to face Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. Moxley won that match and has really carried AEW on his back through the summer, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, there's, There's a real argument to be made that, yes, while Punk didn't really have you know, the championship run that he deserves and that, you know, he, he wants to to have that run. And you can certainly probably even make an argument that maybe he deserves to have that run after, you know, what he committed and how highly Tony Khan thinks of him and probably how, how influential Punk is to Tony Khan right now. Yeah. You could certainly make the argument that Moxley almost deserves to win that match more mm-hmm. than punk does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume that, you know, with, uh, Moxley punk, that was going to be the main event at all out. And I'm going to assume that CM punk was going to go over and he was going to keep the title. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that that was the plan here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, obviously I want to see Moxley win, but it is what it is. But now I have to see now I have to see Moxley lose on Dynamite, and instead of seeing Moxley lose it all out, you know what I mean. And, and I don't think that's fair to Moxley, you know, um, be, because it, it you know all out obviously is a much bigger stage, and John Moxley is one of those guys where John Moxley. I, I know AEW puts a lot of uh, weight on like win loss records and stuff like that, but Moxley's above that in, in my opinion. Like 
you can you can you can insert Moxley into any feud, regardless of his win loss record, and he can lose that match and and still come out looking like a top guy because Moxley's he's he's just that good and he's earned that goodwill with the fans, right? Yeah. Um. So even if they did have the all out match. Punk and Moxley and Moxley loses it's still a fantastic match and I know Moxley was going to have a good showing at it Mm -hmm. but like I said now I have to watch him lose on Dynamite instead of All Out and that's not fair to Moxley because I I don't think there's I don't think there's a situation where Moxley wins this title I don't could I mean so so there's a lot of I I think you could go in a lot of different directions here like because because we're in Ohio next week for AEW you could see Moxley beat Punk in Ohio and then then them have the rematch in Chicago and Punk wins on the pay-per-view which would still be like all right whatever yeah like that we what are we doing here mm-hmm. you could also see the reverse happen you could see Punk win in Cleveland and lose in in Chicago i don't think that's going to happen that's, that won't happen um or you could see um, I don't know. You could see something totally different happen. You could see uh, Moxley win or Punk win, and somebody face Hangman at All Out. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it, it, now there's there, there's almost this something ethereal. I know this has been reported a lot that there's not been a plan for this, but you you've now it's been spoken into the universe now that there's Hangman involved in this kind of triangle now in some kind of way shape or form yeah this thing between him and punk is certainly not dead mm-hmm. um but i think you could also kind of twist it and say okay well if moxley wins if moxley goes over and is now the new champion you you could have him face page because page was the mystery guy in the in the um what did they call it? it wasn't like a face the revolution but it was like a number one contenders ladder match right hangman was the final contestant moxley was in that match it was right before Moxley went to rehab, and Hangman went over and went on to beat Kenny Omega. You could easily make that argument there where Moxley says, you know what, we were both in that match, and you got past me at one of my lowest moments. Mm-hmm. I want to prove myself to you as champion. I'm calling you out still. Right, right. Um, you, you could even do some kind of like, uh, I, I know AEW fans are so like... Um, uh, so against like shenanigans, you know, but you could do some kind of angle where, okay, punk has called out hangman, called him a coward, mm-hmm. you know, called him out. Hangman could be pissed off at punk. He could come out during the punk and Moxley match, have some type of interference. And then, and, and then, uh, you know, Moxley gets disqualified and now you have a triple threat at all out. You know, there, there's, yeah. there's things you could do to, to kind yeah. of or, solve this, you know, and, and bring it back into, yeah. uh, you know what what the plan was yeah. necessarily i just the, i don't whatever whatever the plan was it now has to be changed because of what cm punk did yeah and i don't think that that's fair to tony khan or moxley yeah or hangman to a certain degree but at the same time it's like Okay, you're kind of being an asshole to Hangman, but yeah, but I also mean, at the same time you're you're inserting him into a title feud. So you're not you're not necessarily I wouldn't say you're doing him a favor, but you're not like screwing him over like you are Moxley and, and Tony Khan. You know, you're you're inserting him into like the top billing of the company. So like it's not that's not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. But well, I mean, there's I mean, it's not a bad it's not necessarily a bad thing 
for any of those guys for sure in 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 that respect but i think that you know when you consider you know you had um you know th- things have now been turned on their head quite a bit you know for, from just a, a few words in a promo yeah um and, and it is very interesting i think i think the most logical most rational explanation that you have to go with is we're going to have something's going to happen in cleveland and it's probably going to be a DQ or a time limit draw of some yeah. sort, and then it's going to be Punk Moxley at the pay per view. Mm-hmm. And um, with it being in Chicago, I, I I really don't I really don't think Moxley's gonna gonna walk out as as uh, you know the uh, the the lineal world uh, linear world champion right um, for for AEW. Yeah, um, it's it, it is very interesting. Um, I, I did want to touch on a couple more things, but, mm-hmm. uh, about AEW, but we're, we're almost two hours in at this point, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Dang. Are uh, we really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask one thing and then we're going to go to our, our fan segment here. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot takes, hot takes. Um, so, uh, for, uh, to, I guess to round out the AEW stuff, what do you see as the future of AEW? Like, like if you had to like, maybe think of a few things down the road you know i guess what 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 are some things that you want to see out of AEW? because there's it, obviously aw is not a perfect product wwe is not a perfect product there, nothing is perfect in wrestling right mm-hmm. everybody can always achieve more mm-hmm. um but for AEW specifically with it still being the new kid on the block uh i mean what what are some things that you want to see um aw do do uh the same uh, what do you want to see them do differently or better than what they're doing currently? I guess yeah. what, what what do you what was your crystal ball tell you here? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, one of the things that AEW was doing very very well for a long time was building up their own stars and, and kind of elevating people that aren't necessarily known uh, but are you know putting in really good work and putting on really good matches and and getting over with the fans and things like that. And I want to see I want to see AEW go back to that. Uh, because AEW, it it really felt like you know obviously they had the they had the money to throw around to get big guys, but then they but they also were like it, it was like the ultimate destination for the indie darlings. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and AEW's kind of gone away from that for you know with all of these ex WWE signings and, and things like that. So one one thing that I want to see AEW go back to is is kind of elevating their own people. And one of the ways that I think they could do that is by elevating the importance of Rampage and the importance of Dark. Um, Rampage is kind of stuck in this limbo, uh, at least in my opinion, where, you know, it's kind of Rampage is like relegated for the it, it's the storylines that either are too short for Dynamite or Dynamite just doesn't have space for them. And so Rampage is kind of, it has this feeling of non-importance mm. to, to a certain degree. And, and I want to see Rampage elevated to, uh, you know, one of the things that WWE does is they have SmackDown and they have Raw. And both of those are equally as important, you know, and, and they try to stress the importance of both shows. And that's one thing I want to see AEW do is, is like, yes, Dynamite was the first show, but Rampage is also big. 
Rampage is also a big show, and they need to they need to push that a little bit more. You know, you see you see the likes of, uh, you know, CM Punk on on Dynamite. You see the likes of Daniel Bryan or excuse me, Brian Danielson on uh, on on Dynamite. Uh, you see you see Moxley. You see all these people on Dynamite, um, but you, you don't really see them on Rampage. You don't really see them on Dark very much, and you, you it's kind of stuck in this rut where um, you know Dynamite is the important show. Mm. And Rampage and Dark are skippable. And, and you don't have to watch Rampage if you don't want to because there's not really much going on there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I want to see them elevate Rampage to a SmackDown level show where it's like, okay, Ra- Rampage is important. Important things happen on Rampage. Uh, you know, s- actual pay-per-view level storylines are happening on Rampage. And then uh, with uh, with Dark make it like an NXT type show. You, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you want to have a, a development league, have a de- development league where it's not just squash matches over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like with dark is, you know, and you have huge fans of dark, right? I'm not trying to say dark is like bad or anything like that, but yeah. most of what I've seen on dark is jobbing. It's, it's just, just jobbing out, yeah. you know, and, and that's a lot of it, but I don't want to see that. I want to, I want to see, you know, you can you can bring guys like Adam Cole down to dark and and have some really cool storylines, or or uh, you know someone like someone like Kyle O'Reilly, where like he's always been the he's always been a tag tag team guy, but he's so good singles, you know, and maybe bring him into dark and have some really cool storyline with yeah. uh, Swerve Scott or something, you know, like that dark is so skippable and i don't want that to be the case so that's one thing that i think AEW could really benefit from is you know people complain about um you know wwe having like too much content raw's three hours and and smackdown and nxt and nxt europe and all these things but it's all about options and when you make dynamite the only like important show Mm. you really don't have any other options because that's the important show that's what that's what the pay-per-views are building for or building on that's what all of the important storylines are on is on dynamite and then you have rampage that's you know fine dark that's skippable mm. so it, you you kind of get to the point where it's like okay well what are these shows for then mm. you know what i mean uh i feel like rampage is kind of like rampage right now feels like a symptom of the problem that AEW has with too much talent they they have rampage because they don't have space for people on dynamite but that shouldn't be the case. Rampage should be its own thing. So should Dark. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's good. I think you really should have to or there there should be a desire on some in, in some aspect of, of from AEW to being like, yeah, we, we should make every show feel important. And and you do get that because I mean they do uh, like before the main events, they always give you kind of like a rundown of, oh, this is what's happening next week, and this is what's right. happening on Rampage, and this kind of thing. But like, you know, I mean, I, th- I think that you should want to elevate everybody. You should want to he- help elevate everyone's show, um, or or each show that you have. This, you know, AEW Dark, uh, AEW um, Rampage, AEW Dynamite. You should want to make all of those shows must see and give mm-hmm. give give people a reason to watch all of the shows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think for the AEW, like, the hardcore fans, like, I think that at, at, in the beginning, there was a lot of fanfare for AEW Dark mm-hmm. um, because it was another way to, of consuming the content. But right now, it feels like, you know, there's not, you know, that same uh, 
that same feeling. I'm sure if you look at the yeah. viewership numbers, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's okay, but mm-hmm. I mean, would they want them to be better? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just feel like you're in a, you know, a lot of, uh, the more casual fans, I guess, of AEW, um, when it, when it comes to rampage and when it comes to dark, really the only thing you need to see from rampage and dark are the two little snippets right before a match on dynamite where, mm-hmm. where Excalibur's like, Oh, and by the way, this happened on rampage. Right. And, and that shouldn't be the case. Well, and I, and I think that also on a, on a further note, I think we're all still waiting for that, that big streaming kind of experience from AEW as Absolutely. well. I, I, I was telling you earlier, like, cause you still haven't seen the Danielson Kenny Omega match. Yeah. And I was like from Grand Slam of last year, and mm-hmm. there's no way of finding that match through an appropriate channel, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not ad free, right? Uh, you know, I mean, if there was a way that we could get some way to have that that big AEW library and that big Ring of Honor library, you know, I, they still have Honor Club, but you know, I want to see all the old stuff from like. 2005 2006 yeah. from ring of honor i still want to see all that stuff so if there was a way of getting all that content and getting the the full library of aew dynamites and even rampages that would be cool as well i would Absolutely. I'd be really into that it's funny that you mentioned that too because first off i completely agree uh, but it's funny that you mentioned that because i think that was that was one of our wishes on if wishes were fishes way back in the day. I don't, I can't remember if I made it or if you made it, Yeah. Uh, but I, I know f- that we've been asking for that for a long time. And I know that's something that AEW fans have been wanting for a very long time as well. Um, I, I mean, say what you want about the WWE network. There was so much content on there. Mm-hmm. So much content. And I really think that AEW has the fan base to make something like that, you know, important, like make something like that, that has the content that people want. And really they have the fan base to make a lot of money off of it. A lot of money. And for the amount of money that Tony Khan has, I'm I'm very surprised that that hasn't been, you know, look, maybe it is in the works. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I'm surprised we don't have it by now. Yeah, truly. Even if it's like a, a somewhat, you know, busted version of an app, at least it has the content there. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, man. You put it out there. You can make a busted app. It's fine. Update it. You know, make it work. But I would, at this point, I would take a busted app over what we have now, which is nothing. Yeah. So I mean, I I think that that's you know. Um... Yeah, you know, I think that's completely reasonable, and and I, I I think that there's just a ton of people that would love to have that that extra way of watching it, and mm-hmm. and because look, AEW's produced a lot of really killer matches mm-hmm. that 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 people want to watch again. Like I was thinking of the what was it? There was like a 30 minute Kenny Omega Pac match from yeah. like yeah. back in the day. It's like, dude, I want to go back and see that, or you know, I want to go and you know relive you know uh you know some of like just the really killer stuff that happened dude let me watch the let me watch the moxley janella death match like there, yeah. there's so many great matches that they've done that that are just kind of lost to the ether at this point because it, like you can find clips of it online and, and things like that but like you said there's not a central place where people can go to be like i want to watch what this wrestler was up to at this time in aew and, and honestly that's kind of um 
you know, to bring it back to my point too, that's one way that you could make Rampage and Dark more important by giving them a space to live, you know, and if, if you put, um, you know, you put Swerve Scott on there and you put Swerve Scott on, on Rampage or, or whatever, and someone who only watches Dynamite is like, oh, well, that was a really good match on Rampage. What else has Swerve Scott done, you know, and, and things like that. So, I, I mean, you made a, you made a much better point than I did, I think, because that's, that's really the number one crutch right now. I uh, mean... They're both good points. No, I mean, for sure. I I just mean like now that I'm really thinking about it, it's like man that that is one thing that could elevate AEW so so much because you can have your you know you can have your your casual fans maybe buy it for a month mm-hmm. and, and you know soak up as much content as they can in, in a month and now they have a new fan or, or the, a new wrestler that they're a fan of. But then you also have your diehards that are going to pay for it every month. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I think that that takes care of a lot of the the current AEW stuff, and I think we're going to touch on a little bit more of it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but but let's dive into some of y'all's thoughts. We we asked you once again for your hot takes. <laughs> yes, uh, we're, we're looking for your hottest takes, most unpopular opinions, and um, most burning questions here. Uh, and we're going to read them here right now. This was this was posted on Twitter. Uh, we're going to read them here now and kind of give you guys our response to them, okay? Uh, so um, we've got a, uh, I guess, kind of in this in this same vein here that we've been just discussing here. We've got a hot take from our friend uh, Foul, mm-hmm. uh, at Foul underscore original. Hi, Foul. How's it going? Hey, buddy. Um, he says, hello, y'all. Wanted to ask you, uh, wanted to ask if you had any thoughts on the Warner Brothers HBO Max getting rid of content from their streaming platform what uh, do you think wrestling is at risk in the future on Turner Networks? Um, so that's an interesting question mm-hmm. because obviously we were just talking about like hey, AEW needs to have their own kind of streaming experience, yeah. right? Um, I mean, I think that uh, I I really don't know. I really don't know what Discovery's um kind of whole thing is about uh you know them with the turn with turner and hbo i really don't know how this new group is going to be feeling about wrestling mm-hmm. apparently tony khan has had some meetings before he's been given some assurances there's been some i guess some very positive developments here in that regard mm-hmm. um is wrestling at risk i think wrestling for for the on the turner networks would be at risk if things don't get to a level where, uh, where 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 they feel is acceptable, right? Because right. um, it's a business, right? It's a business. AEW, even when people are like, "Oh man, AEW's failing," AEW has been pretty consistent in being in and around the top ten cable shows on a weekly basis. Yeah. For a little while now, particularly Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Rampage, not so much, but for Dynamite, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're kind of always in and around that area. And you've seen huge spikes for Rampage too, but it doesn't, right. it's not consistent like Dynamite. I think what people have to remember, particularly for American TV viewership ratings, a lot of that stuff has been down across the board. Unless right. it's like, unless it's some kind of collegiate or pro sports. Like NFL, MLB, basketball, uh, NBA or college basketball, college football, yeah. you know that kind of stuff, 
or if it's like news, like you know, like some something something major's happening in the world. Yeah, I think that there's a there's a car with a lot of bass driving by. Nice. Yeah, not we don't have the the greatest acoustics here to to block that yeah. out. Um, but I, I I think that those are really the items that really catch fire. Mm-hmm. You're we don't really have the same kind of way of viewing cable TV here in America like what we used to. Streaming did a lot to, I guess, to to give people an alternative from cable. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to, um, it's hard to quantify what, you know, is AEW doing bad? Well, not really because everybody else is kind of doing bad too. Right, right. right. Um, or, or not as good as what it was 20 years ago. We, we can't, we can't keep living based off of attitude era kind of mentalities here. Right. At, at the same time, I, I think that AEW certainly wants and needs to do better if it wants to make crater strides. I think that's kind of where our, our tips were kind of coming from where, where we kind of point out what we wanted to see right. better from AEW just overall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to, to answer the question, it's, it, that's a really hard question to answer because no one really knows at this point, you know, uh, especially with, with mergers, um, nothing is set in stone until it's over. You right. know what I mean? And so, uh, a, you know, uh, a, plans will change on a weekly basis. You know, um, I, I will say I was just reading an article recently. I forget what show it was. It was it was an animated show that was an HBO Max um, like uh, like original. Right. Mm. Um, and it got canceled and taken off of the streaming platform um just out of nowhere and and the the creators of the show had no idea that it was being taken off until they were getting emails and phone calls from their fans and and from their families saying like hey what happened to this show and then lo and behold they all got fired right yeah and so it's really hard to say what exactly is going to happen going forward um but Streaming is the future, and a lot of these companies are trying to hold on to cable, and they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot by doing that, and, and they need to be setting themselves up for the future, and the future is streaming, and that's not going anywhere. And so I, I think AEW really needs to, you know, they, they, need, to, they need to start running with this and, and get their own platform out there. Um, I mean that's really that's really all I can say about that. Do, do I think it's it's in jeopardy? I hope not. Mm. But but you, like none of us can really say. Even even the higher ups in the company they don't know. Yeah, plans change. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, I mean I think these are that's a pretty solid answer. I think Fal would probably. Uh, think that that's uh, decent enough. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and if and if not. I, I can't give you another response next week. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna be busy. Yeah. Um so thank you, Fal, for, for your for your question. Yes, do, thank you, Fal. Do appreciate it. Love you, buddy. Uh MGB Graham at MGB Graham on Twitter asks or or rather says, Hot take. I prefer AJ Francis on A A and E WWE most wanted treasures than in Hit Row. Um so, so uh, just uh, full transparency, I, I've never seen uh, WWE uh, Most Wanted Treasures on, on A&E. I, I believe it's a collector's item show. 
Gotcha. Um, if, if okay. I'm not mistaken, okay. I could be completely wrong. Right. Um, but but I, I I have a feeling that based off the context of the name of the show that it has something to do with collectibles. Hmm. Um, I, I I really can't say, Graham. Maybe per, you know I I am going to err on the side of caution and agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, AJ Francis on the TV show on A and E certainly could be preferable to, to AJ Francis on on actual WWE <laughs> wrestling programming. Someone doesn't like something on wrestling pro or WWE programming. What a shocker. Yeah. It's <laughs> insane. Um let's see here. Moving on. Uh Jake Craig. Jake Sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to chuckle. Why? Why no, are you just, chuckling? Go ahead. So J- Jake Craig at DBW Podcast. Jake Jake now Jake Jake has had some spicy takes for us before. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. might be the most flame-worthy take of them all. This is I, spicy. I, I think this one's very this spicy. This is ghost pepper level. This, this is a uh, he AJ uh, AJ Craig. Jake Craig, say I already screwed up your name. Jake Craig on Twitter uh, at DBW Podcast. Jake says AEW sucks and has been completely overhyped. Um I I I guess that that is um that is a somewhat hot take. I, I think that um, uh, from from Stephen and I's perspective, and and Stephen, please feel free to, you know, jump in. Um, but but I think that historically, we've both been of the mindset that we would uh, freely and openly call a spade a spade when necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that there, I think we said this earlier, uh, AEW. Is not a perfect promotion, yeah. and WWE is not a perfect promotion. Yep. You know, I mean, you could easily put in this hot takes list. WWE is uh, WWE sucks mm-hmm. and is completely overhyped, right? Um, you know, but uh, you know, again, that's I think that's just kind of modern uh, wrestling Twitter being um, revving their engines, so to speak. I don't, um, know, I don't know if the listeners can hear that. Yeah, I don't know. But I think this is just people in modern wrestling Twitter being like very tribal about, uh, I guess, their feelings. Yeah. Look, Jake, you're entitled to your opinion. Yeah. You know, like you can you, you can have the wrong opinion though. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> you're entitled to your opinion. I just disagree. Just just completely disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, AEW at, at this point with. Uh, NXT being what it is right now, I'd say AEW is probably my favorite promotion right now. So, I I respectfully disagree, sir. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so, thank you, thank you, Jake. We, we despite our disagreements here, I, I we we do appreciate your submission in to uh, to the hot takes, mm-hmm. and, and so does Millie. Hello, Millie. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, so, uh, Dan Griffin, our friend Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin 21 on Twitter, uh, he, has got a few of them here. Um, he says, while Omega and the Bucks are incredible athletes, there's nothing about them as heels or faces to give a single shit about. Their acts are stale and no matter how innovative their moves are there, uh, no matter how innovative their moves, they're pointless if they can't make me care. It's all flash and no substance. Hmm. Um, okay. I, I think that there's that, that's one perspective. Yeah. Um, again, not every wrestling fan is made equal. Mm-hmm. You know, there like there's some people who 
Um, they really care about um, the technical wrestling aspect mm-hmm. of it. They really care about the the storytelling and the psychology aspect of it. Um, there has been quite a bit of criticism all the way around about this um, the moves era yeah, yeah. of of wrestling where you know you kind of get like the the young bucks and Kenny kind of you know oh it's just really cool moves mm-hmm. kind of thing i mean what do you think about that i mean like we said you're you're allowed to have an opinion you know you're wrong dan <laughs> I, I mean i i disagree i, I would say <laughs> I, I would say i probably agree with you more about and maybe this is my own spicy take, but mm. I probably agree with you more about your take on the Young Bucks than I do Kenny Omega, uh, mm. because you know, for me, it, it's for me, it's in ring first and foremost, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, and then promos are really just to get me to care about whatever's happening in the ring. You know. Yeah. Um, now, if we're talking the promo capability of Kenny Omega, off the charts. He's he's fantastic. He, he's great. I, I love them. Yeah, young bucks. I'm there for their in ring work. Yeah, their their promos are a little cheesy, a little memey, yeah. but it, it is what it is. Some people like that. I don't hate it, but I'm that's not what I'm watching the young bucks for. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm watching them for their their in ring work, the, the the moves, the moves. And I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you you can you can criticize the the moves era of wrestling. I'm into it. Yeah. I, well, I I feel like. You know, uh, I feel like we've been here before many times, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is something that, I mean, was probably said in circles during the time when WCW had a mixture of uh, Japanese and Mexican talents coming in, yeah. um, in in the cruiserweight division. Oh, that Rey Mysterio, like... I, I think he's really cool in the ring and whatnot, but it doesn't mean anything. He's just it's just moves. It's just really cool moves. Yeah. Yeah, that's that probably got said. That probably got said about Mysterio, that probably got said about Psychosis, that probably got said about Eddie Guerrero, that probably got said about maybe probably not Laparca. But that probably got said about a lot of people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um And that's so, why I'm saying you're you're entitled to your opinion, you know, like yeah. you, you might be one of those people that back then was saying those things, and that's fine, you know. Well, and and people probably said that about the X division in TNA too. They mm-hmm. probably were like, "Oh man, that AJ Styles is like he's really great in the ring, but it's all flash and no substance. That yeah. AJ Styles can't cut a promo to save his life, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's go all the way back in the TNA time machine to where he it was just like Pele kicks and like you know the phenomenal forearm and like all this other ridiculous stuff that AJ was doing that nobody had even thought of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all great and everything, but, like, you know, like, was AJ nearly, you know, like, like the greatest, like, on the mic and in the ring and doing all this stuff, and the, did everything that he did make total sense compared to, like, you know, what everybody else was doing? No, not all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, that's just the way that he was, and mm-hmm. that's just kind of the way the young bucks are. Right, right. You know, and maybe give, maybe give Kenny and the Bucks time right you know maybe maybe invest some of your time to to really think about it because some of the stuff that they do do um you know (laughs) i mean has made sense i mean we we can point to uh the when the young bucks faced uh kenny and hangman for the for the titles the tag titles ridiculous match but there was all these different callbacks to all this kind of 
stuff psychologically in their matches mm-hmm. that Young um, Bucks FTR. Young Bucks FTR was another another great one where yeah. it was like FTR was all you know all fists no flips and then when they decide to do one flip that's what gets them in trouble mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the Young Bucks were able to take advantage of it. I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that we could talk about with the Young Bucks and Kenny, but I think that I I, I would implore you, Dan, to to take maybe a further dive into it, um, you know, and, and see really kind of and maybe your argument's already made up. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like I would really implore you to maybe think about these these kind of things uh, and see if that changes your opinion, right? Mm-hmm. That's the cool thing about opinions. They're pretty fluid. Yeah. You can you can change your opinion, you know, and, and as long as you, you know, uh, make it pretty clear, hey, I used to think a bit like this, and, you know, after a while, I'm, I'm thinking about it this way now. That's totally cool. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan Griffin also says, Impact is currently producing the best weekly wrestling show in terms of storylines and consistent match quality. Plus, their Impact Plus exclusive shows are fantastic and have been for over a year. But too many people are depriving themselves of a quality product because lol TNA. Mm. Um, do you feel like Impact is kind of hindered by pre- previously being TNA and kind of all the ridiculousness that it's gone through? To a degree. Mm-hmm. De- definitely to a degree. I mean, there, there's always going to be people that are holding on to the past and, and can't really like let go uh, of things like that. I, I've seen, you know, I've seen people talk about that online. And, uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because, you know, uh, WWE has done great things in the past. They've done terrible things in the past, but that doesn't yeah. that doesn't make up the product today. You know uh-huh. what I mean, and so I I don't necessarily necessarily agree with that. But there's definitely some people that think that absolutely. I, I mean, it it's all about going into it with an open mind you know and uh the things that i've seen from impact granted just full transparency i don't watch impact very much but mm. from what i've seen on impact yeah they put on great matches absolutely yeah but i mean i i wouldn't say that it's like overarching people don't like impact because lol tna i don't think that's like the general consensus but are there mm. people that think that yeah absolutely yeah there, there, there's people that have that opinion that opinion's wrong yeah but you know what are you gonna do yeah there's, there's nothing you can really do about that they're they're gonna hold on to that if they're gonna hold on to that yeah. if they want to give it a chance they'll give it a chance if they don't then they won't and i think that that has a lot to do with like branding psychology right and yeah. and maybe maybe dan this has a lot to do with the way you feel about kenny and the young bucks maybe there was a time that kenny and the young bucks uh did something that really burned you yeah you know yeah. and 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 made you think like okay well i i really don't care too much about kenning the young bucks or i or i mean i see what they're doing but it doesn't touch me in any any kind of special way other than just like on a real service level kind of experience right mm-hmm. um i mean a lot of people kind of felt really pissed off and betrayed about all of the Vince Russo stuff and Eric Bischoff stuff and Hulk Hogan stuff in in TNA mm-hmm. uh, that they're really choosing not to give Impact a fair shake because, well, they've burned me so many times in the past. How can I trust them? They they produced one of the worst wrestling shows ever produced um, in wrestling history uh, for a long time under it being TNA Impact. Right mm-hmm. now that it's Impact Wrestling. It is kind of a different monster. A lot of the faces are the same, but you know, it's it's hard to uh, maybe once you've gotten burned, you know. I mean, it's, I get it's, it. it's hard to make that distinction sometimes. 
Um, it was like a decade ago. Let mm-hmm. it go. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, like let it go. And, and I mean, and and I to be fair, I was one of those people. I was like, dude, I I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't justify watching TNA anymore. This is kind of trash. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, I've gone and bought TNA pay per views off of Fight TV. Mm-hmm. You know, in recent years because it's like, oh, this card looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what's going on here today. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I, I think there's a little bit of both. Right, for sure. Um, for his question, how do you think NXT Europe will will vary uh, to NXT UK? Uh, maybe he means like how will they fare uh, between uh, as compared to NXT UK? Mm-hmm. Better or worse or same? Do you think we'll sort of see an NXT global territory system with variants on other continents? Yeah, I think they were already doing like an NXT India or NXT like Pakistan, um, something. I know they were lines. doing the NXT India. Okay, yeah. so that was definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to do like an NXT, you know, Europe, NXT, Japan, yeah. NXT, Australia, I, whatever. I have, I have no South doubt. South America. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt that that's the plan, 100%. Whether that actually comes to fruition or whether that actually is successful for them is another question. But I think what, I think the writing is on the wall there with the rebranding of NXT UK to NXT Europe. I mean, they wouldn't mm. do that just for no reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I really... Yeah, I, I do think that that's the, the plan that they're going for. Um, in, in regards to how it's going to fare, time will tell. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to get worse. I, I don't think that necessarily we were, we're going to get a whole, like like TV schedule for like, you know, like on Peacock on Wednesdays, you're going to get NXT India. And then on Thursdays, NXT South America. Yeah. And then on Fridays, uh, NXT Europe. I don't, I don't think we're going to have like this regimented, like, boom, you're getting all of this television, yeah, like yeah. all this content that like, you, I like th- that would be like way too much. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that you are going to have these sub camps of like heavy scouting and recruiting, and you're probably going to have some programs and like an act and like actual developmental centers. But with that being said, I think that the end goal is to still always bring them to either Europe or to, um, to North America yeah. and, and try and produce them as stars and then bring them all the way up to the, the main roster from this developmental kind of, um, aspect here for sure no mm-hmm. i definitely agree with that I, I think you know like i said um when we were talking about nxt before i think in terms of you know we don't know exactly what the plan is i know there's nxt india maybe they'll do south america you know australia things like that mm-hmm. but i don't think that if they're going to do this and it's going to be successful i think they need to make the demographic the country or or region that they're presiding and i, I don't think I don't think NXT Australia should be for Americans. I don't think NXT South America should be for Americans. I think it should be, you know, it should be for whatever region they're in. And, and, you know, that can be, like you said, that can be a a developmental pipeline that that brings them ultimately to either Europe or NXT 2.0 or Raw, SmackDown, whatever. You know, if you just see like a, a crazy talent come out of Pakistan or a crazy talent come out of Australia or Japan or something, and you want to push them in the North American territory, you'd think that they would be good there. Cool. You know, go ahead and do that. But I don't think that the ultimate goal should be, okay, we're going to make these developmental programs and we're going to have, we're going to have camps in every region of the world specifically to, to filter them into, uh, you know, North America. I don't, I don't think that is a, um, a successful plan. 
mm. in my opinion. I, I think if if you want to to do the whole global force type thing, I think you should have you you should have it cater to the region that it's in. Mm. And if you find a crazy breakaway talent that you think would really work in North America, go ahead. Or if if you find someone in Australia that you think would do amazing in NXT Japan, go ahead. You know, mm. but I don't think it it needs to be an ultimate. You know, you have. 18 promotions across the world all filtering into raw yeah that, that you don't need that. <laughs> and that and that's not a recipe for success they already have too much people on raw yeah I, I think that's those are really good points for sure thank you dan for your questions uh and hot and hot takes mm-hmm. dan you you understood the assignment on these spicy takes i appreciate it <laughs> absolutely uh let's see here uh, so uh, let, let's talk to Conrad. Conrad, our friend at EPW Show on Twitter. How's it going, Conrad? Howdy, howdy. Hope you're doing well. Yes, sir. Um, he he actually asked us quite a few different things here, um, and and a lot of which we've already covered. So just to kind of like I guess gloss over it here real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Conrad had asked what our G1 climax thoughts were. I think we we've kind of touched on that, that. already. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Triple H taking over so far. Mm. Pretty yes. much, yeah, we covered that. Uh, what is AEW doing well, and what would you like to see improve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, he, he, more pertinent to, I guess, us as people, Stephen. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, you know, far far too often people ask how much is a G, and not how is a G. <laughs> um, um, oh. <laughs> uh, Conrad asks, "What does the future hold for the Headlock Talk crew?" Only answer if you want to discuss. Mm. So, uh, Stephen, you're you're moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, you've got big plans here. You're going to visit a whole different state. You're going to yeah. be, you know, um, you know, uh, I guess a whole new new experience with a uh, with uh, it, it being in a, a new relationship and the, all the exciting things that come with that. I yeah. mean, what does the future hold for the one, the only, Mister Stephen Grudy? I mean. Right, right now, moving to California, getting settled there, uh, you know, kind of trying to, you know, build my new life there with, uh, with my squeeze and everything, and uh, just, <laughs> and just kind of trying to, um, you know, just not to get like too deep or anything, but just like better myself, you know. Uh, been kind of stuck in a rut with my life for a few years now, and uh, you know, this is a change that I really want to make, and you know, something that I want to work towards. So that, that's, that's my number one thing right now is, Mm. is this new adventure and and this new relationship and Mm. uh, making sure that I do everything I can to make that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still going to be around. I'm Mm. always open to, to guest spots. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, if if Steven and I want to do something together down the road, we, we definitely will, will talk about it. But I think that this this is probably the the chapter the the mm-hmm. last chapter in headlock talk. Stephen and I for the for the foreseeable future we would not we will not be in the same room yeah. doing shows and I think that's kind of part of what what brought the magic of of this particular podcast is that you see a lot of podcasts and a lot of streams it's a lot of people in different rooms and I think that became a really big thing during the pandemic but for sure I think you and I always made it a point that. You know, there was a ritual about what we did. We would wake up early in the morning. We would go and get breakfast. We would eat a lot of food, and then we'd sit in a really hot room and record uh, our thoughts into these microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, 
Um, I've been doing Radio Techers. That's kind of, you know, a little bit up in the air itself right now. I know Mags is taking care of his mental health, and I think Matt and I agree. As he should. Yeah, Matt, yeah. And, and, and Matt and I agreed, like, you know, I think we, he and I both want to kind of work on our professional selves. Um, and, you know, hopefully there will be a day where, where Mags wants to do uh, podcasting, more than one podcast again. If not, mm-hmm. no harm, no foul. Yeah. I might, you know, dabble into streaming. I might, uh, I mean, I've created a Twitch profile. I might, you know, try and dabble in doing that, playing some football manager or mm-hmm. some, you know, something else, you know. Um, but like I said, I'm always around for guest spots. I, I don't plan on selling uh, all of my equipment. You know, um, we'll just kind of see how things go mm-hmm. um, and, and take it one day at a time. Yep. Um, so I really like that question, Conrad. Um, uh, he, he also asks, uh, what did doing this podcast mean to you? Um, that's a really deep question. Yeah. I, I mean, that's it is a deep question. It's also a very easy question for me to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, not to like get too deep and emotional or anything, but this podcast from the very get-go has always been hanging out mm. hanging out with my friend you know hanging out with my best friend i mean that that's always been what it what it is you know um obviously we're we're talking about wrestling and we have all these topics and yeah you know we you know things like that but the, this podcast has always been about friends uh, about friends yeah, yeah. friendship yeah. yeah sitting here talking with tanner bringing on guests yeah. i met a lot of really cool people through through podcasting that's what it means for me yeah. is, is friendship and uh, bonding over a mutual interest. Yeah. Well, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to call out any other podcast by any way, shape, or form. Like, this is not like my Eminem moment here, right? <laughs> where, where, where it's like the, the old guy, like, talking about, like, you know, the, the old head talking about what the new kids are doing this like <laughs> these days, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, I think that's kind of what made our podcast special is that we're, we're genuinely friends in and out of here. Yeah. And there's a lot of podcasts out there that are just like, oh, cool, we have a shared interest. And there's really not that, like, that flowing chemistry yeah, else yeah. otherwise. You know. Yeah. So, I think I think we've always been able to sit down here and, like, this is this is fun because these, yeah. these are the kind of conversations that we just naturally have. Yeah. Just, just organically. Yeah. You know, and, and so, and I think that chemistry really shows through yeah. in the show and, and shows through on the mic. It's like, th- this isn't, this isn't a okay. We're going to talk A, B, C, D, yeah. and, and close. It, it's hey, we're going to sit down, have a conversation like we always do. Yeah, let's let's talk about these things, but also we're just, we're here to hang out and have fun. Yeah, and it's know? kind of and, it's, and that's kind of like the escape of it too, right? It's like hey, I, like you said, I'm with my best friend. We're talking about some wrestling. We're just kind of being goofy, yeah. right? Like you know, I'm sure that we've recorded some things that have made absolutely no sense to you guys <laughs> out there, right? And some of those things. They will never see the light of day, <laughs> right? But, um, oh. the, you know, there's, you know, that's kind of what it all, what it's all about, you know, it's just like, hey, let's, let's just shoot, shoot some shit and yeah. like talk to each other and like just make it a really warm, inviting experience. Just like, you know, we want, we want you to feel like you're sitting in the same room as your friends, mm-hmm. you know, and partaking in a conversation, right? Yep. Of course. Um, so I, I think that's that's really kind of always been our goal is to is to make it a warm, inviting thing, but also it just be a very personal thing for Steven and I. Mm-hmm. And like I I think I mentioned this at the very beginning of the show. I tried 
to end the series this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really don't feel like it would have been appropriate to do that and not do something one last time with you because yeah. you are a, like a massive part of my life, right? right? Like as a friend uh, and, and, and not just doing this show, but it's like we needed... I think we needed to have that little bit of closure for people to just be like, yeah, they did one last show together and you know, that was it. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm with you moving. I'm going to really miss you, man. I miss you too. You know, but we'll, we'll talk. Oh yeah. We'll We'll talk. I'll be back. You're, you're only like five or six States over, Yeah, you know? So, um, (laughs) yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, Conrad also says, um, you know, lastly, he always enjoyed working with us, you know, from the BBR days. If you guys remember Brain Buster Radio from way, way back in the Rest day. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> it's the end of the road. Oh, uh, boy. But yeah, man. Um, <laughs> if y'all remember that, there's some, some great times there mm-hmm. as well. Um, let me see here. Uh, we've got a couple more. Um, that we'll, we'll kind of go through real quick. Um, let's see here. Sorry, y'all. I'm trying to find them. Okay. So this one is, uh, from Cy Powell on Twitter. Uh, he's actually, uh, Mags' co-host of Chain Wrestling Podcast. Uh, yes. Uh, so hi, Cy. How are you doing? Hope you're doing well. Hello, sir. Um, so, uh, two things. Um, he says that he he uh, doesn't get why Led Zeppelin is popular, and he doesn't get why China is popular. Chi- China, the wrestler, oh. not, the, not the country. <laughs> I thought you meant the country. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he 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 wants to know why these things are popular. Um, he or he rather he just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, for for further context, if if you want clarification on what Sai means by this. Um, let's see here. I've got it right here. Um, let me see here. Da, 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 da. Uh, he says, China, it's easy to explain. Yeah, she, he feels like he, she's just not that good. The hype and praise far outweighs the actual performances we see. She's fairly clunky in the ring. Simi often seems a little lost and seems to have, uh, timing issues or be slightly off in matches. Um, so, so that he's talking about China, the mm-hmm. the wrestler, uh, R.I.P. Not the country, not the country. No, R.I.P. Um, so all of these things that you're saying are true, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like China was never the greatest pro wrestler ever. Um, I think Chris Jericho actually talked about this on the True Geordie podcast, and that he actually got in a lot of trouble when wrestling China previously. Um, they were, they thought that he was being too rough with her because she's a woman and mm-hmm. like all this other stuff, right? Um. Have you seen Oscar's matches? <laughs> Nobody is ready for that. Um, so uh, yeah, I think there's there's definitely nuggets of truth to what you speak. I think what um, if I had to play devil's advocate and vouch for China, Joni Lawler, the wrestler, um, I would say it's it's not really how she was a wrestler, how good she was, or how bad she was. I think it was this this idea that you know China's this woman. Very strong woman, a very powerful woman, powerful personality, mm-hmm. taking on these men, um, and it was kind of one of those things that you would really only see in the Attitude Era that was a little bit shocking, right? Right. Um, it, it, you had a kind of a not a guttural reaction, but like 
you know, if you're a woman watching it and you see China beating up all these dudes, that's pretty empowering, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, there's a lot of women wrestlers who will point to China or, or you know, of a certain generation that will, will point to China and say, like, yeah, she's the reason why I got into this business, right? right? So, um, yeah, I think that that's a big part of it. Um, you know, it's just kind of like that, I, that I, I'm not, I'm trying very hard not to say feminist, yeah. but kind of like, you know, she's female empowerment. Yeah. Female yeah. empowerment. She's kind of iconic for that kind of thing. Right. right. Um, and I think that's the, the big deal behind China. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, w- I was kind of, uh, that was like a little bit before me. Yeah. And so I, I never really like watched a lot of China. I know mm-hmm. of her. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. You know, not every wrestler has to be the absolute greatest in the ring or the absolute greatest promo of all time or, or anything like that. You know, there, some some people just have the – they have either an it factor that, for whatever reason, people love watching them, or they have something, like, like you said, the, the female empowerment angle that really brings something to the table that – others are not bringing to the table and, mm-hmm. and there's something to be said about that. So, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really know because I don't, I don't know her. I wasn't, a, I wasn't around for that time, but I think you bring up some good points mm-hmm. is what I'll say. For sure. Um, he said, Led Zeppelin's a little bit trickier to explain. He says some incredible music, but just doesn't hit home in a way it maybe should for me as a, as a rock fan. Hence the, I just don't get it part. Obviously some great records and great musical performance, but I just never fully got it. Um, so I know that you're like, like you're familiar with Led Zeppelin, but you're not like a, like a huge Led Zeppelin. No, no, I'm not like a huge Led Zeppelin fan. Um, but I put, and this is going to sound really weird, okay? Okay. But just just bear with me because I promise you I'll explain it. Okay. I put Led Zeppelin in the same category as the Beatles. Not musically, but but like not sonically, yeah. but in their position in the industry. Whereas the, yeah. the, the Beatles were extremely influential. And Led Zeppelin was extremely influential in their own right. Because I listened to a lot of, uh, a lot of like prog music. And Led Zeppelin was like really the first band to bring that kind of style um, to the masses. You know, like Led Zeppelin is a prog hair metal band. Like, like, <laughs> like that's what they are. And it, at least from someone who was born in 1997, looking back, that's what that's what Led Zeppelin is for me. And so with the Beatles, I don't I don't care for the Beatles. I don't really I don't really like their music necessarily. But mm-hmm. I respect what they did for the industry, and I respect the kind of exposure that they gave for a certain type of music mm-hmm. that that without the Beatles, no one would have really been looking for, yeah. um, or or wouldn't be familiar with. And so I I put Led Zeppelin in that same category where like. I'm not the biggest Led Zeppelin fan in the world. They have some songs that I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. But they, for me, they're like one of the first like big prog bands that like made it. And, and so, you know, without, without Led Zeppelin, we wouldn't have a lot of these prog bands that I listen to now. So, yeah. Well, and, and I, I I'm interested that you use the, the term prog because like for me, Led Zeppelin was always like the blues turned up to like, not even to 11 it was like turned up to 12 i can see that right yeah, for like sure. like uh for their time and, and, and i mean Cy, with you being i i know you a little bit i mean you're really big into you know the 80s metal scene mm-hmm. for a lot of those bands like 
they grew up listening to Led Zeppelin, right? Led Zeppelin was was it, it could be at times very dark yeah. and brooding, and some of their their topics are uh, uh, of, of fantasy or of um, just raw sex and and you know power uh, or of um you know again basically taking old blues songs and reinventing them in a way um you know but there were very few bands at that time that were as heavy as led zeppelin mm-hmm. and I, I think if you look at it musically there was not a vocalist at that time like robert plant there, uh, there was, there was certainly not many guitarists out there on the planet like Jimmy Page, mm-hmm. not many bassists as good as John Paul Jones, and I would say that m- there's a lot of people who, to this day, would regard John uh, Bonham as being the best rock drummer yeah. of all time, right up there with Neil Peart of of Rush. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's a combination of them being the right band at the right time playing the right music. Yeah. And they influenced a whole generation of bands like, you know, uh, for better or worse, you know, a broad range of bands, be it uh, Metallica uh, or Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue or even bands that, I mean, and I'm not really a huge Motley Crue fan, Mm -hmm. but like, or, and then you could look at bands that I'm still very much not a fan of, like uh, Bon Jovi Mm -hmm. or Poison or um, like some of these, uh, some of these other bands that really made it big, they made it because they tried to be Led Zeppelin right. in their own way. They kind of embodied all of the right things at the right time in a time where uh, the music industry was post Beatles. We were now ushering in the era of rock stardom. Yeah, and Led Zeppelin was selling out Madison Square Garden and having groupies and they again they were just the right band at the right time yeah and ma- and they made excess cool they made um kind of like the lyrics that they would talk about cool um guitar solos you know were were basically i mean Jimmy Page uh, elevated the guitar solo to a whole another level just musicianship off the charts like there's all sorts of things that we could go into about what made Led Zeppelin <laughs> A really, really great band, um, and I implore you to to kind of do a deeper dive. I know that I've, I've implored you in the past to take a deeper dive into Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. How successful that's been so far, I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say for all the bands that you really like and are really into, Psy, it, it's kind of surprising that you've not been huge into Led Zeppelin because they're kind of they're kind of the grandfathers yeah. of those bands that have now. Um, uh, that, that that are that you really liked that were that were preeminent when you were growing up. Right. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess one of those things too, where it's like you don't always listen to your father's music. Right. Right. But some people do. Right. Like I sometimes do. there's a band that like you really kind of hang on to, and maybe maybe that band is Led Zeppelin for you, Sai. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I hope that helps. Um. Let me see here. Uh. Da, 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 da. I guess it would not be an episode of Headlock Talk um, without uh, doing some hot takes. And, and one of these is brought to you, uh, actually some of these rather, are brought to you by our good friend Mike Charlip at MikeJC821 on Twitter. Hey, buddy. How's it going, Mike? <laughs> uh, he says, I love you guys. We love you too. Love you too, buddy. We love you too, Mike. Uh, 
Um, he says, one, nobody should be surprised at all the CM Punk drama. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. CM Punk brings the drama. Dude, he, he, he made drama for years without even being in a wrestling promotion. Facts. He made wrestling drama without even wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Uh, number two, uh, he says, Okada winning G1 pisses me off because I'm getting really tired of him by a mile, not as a worker, but as an entity. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit. 100%. It does seem that's a, that's a very eloquent way of putting it, um, especially the, the last point, not as a worker, but as an entity, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, like I said, I, I don't want to see New Japan get stuck in the rut of you know only pushing their top guys over and over and over again. Like I said, it's giving Brock Lesnar winning Money in the Bank vibes. You know what I mean? So a mm-hmm. uh, very, very, um, very eloquent way of putting that. Uh, three. I need the internet to stop telling people what wrestling they should be watching and what wrestling is better just to enjoy wrestling. One hundred percent. Yeah. I Absolutely. Think, I think that that's a big problem, right? Like that's a big like modern Twitter problem. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the wrestling community is just like the massive amount of tribalism. Like yep. I think that we've been pretty consistent in our track record of being like, hey, you know, you might not like everything. But at least expose yourself to it and try mm-hmm. and watch it and decide if it's right for you or not, right? right. And if it's not right for you, that's cool, yeah. right? Like l- let let us vent about it for you, yeah, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, d- you know, WWE is not for everybody. Yeah. AEW is not for everybody. Yeah. New Japan's not for everybody. But they obviously all have massive followings, and there's a lot of people that really like it. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make it. It you know, you might be. A WWE fan, and you might just really not like AEW. That doesn't make WWE better. That doesn't make AEW better. It just makes them better for you, right? Well, and and I think that there's something just really toxic about just like going after people uh, uh, about their opinions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, if you were to like, be like, oh man, well, you know, Tanner's opinion I don't agree with, or Steven's opinion I don't agree with. That's fine. Yeah perfectly fine you know but like i don't know like there's just some weird people you know out there that that really want to kind of get your following and they want you to buy into them being an influencer and that their opinion is always right right um so like whether that's somebody who has like a Wyndham rotunda is all all elite profile picture yeah uh on twitter or if their profile picture uh, you know, is of uh, <laughs> if they're if if you're listening to some weirdo who has Brock Lesnar in a cowboy hat on his profile picture, yeah, um, yeah, you don't you don't have to subscribe to them just because you agree with some of their takes. I mean, that like some of these weird people are like so weird that they're like, "Well, I'm a WWE shareholder." It's like, yeah fucking good for you yeah like like, I'm, like I'm happy for you yeah like, how's the stock doing yeah like, it's i'm sure it's fine yeah right like that's awesome yeah well but and like, i've also i've i'm never trying to be the person that like like my opinion is is more valid than anyone like i've yeah. said some dumb shit on the show yeah you know but but like <laughs> it's it's my Both opinion have. Yeah, it, it, and it, it doesn't have to be anyone else's opinion yeah like just because I prefer Daniel Garcia to Austin Theory. That doesn't mean that, like, I don't know, 
I mean, I get it. You can disagree. And if you go in the comments and like reply and be like, oh, well, I disagree with you. Why do you say that? I'll give you an explanation. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. But you're like, oh, you're full of shit. Like, you're like, what a, what a dumbass or what a loser. Like, yeah, like, cool. Just like, you know, you're making yourself out to be a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. In saying all this, right? Um, so yeah, that that would be that would be my take here. Um, you know, if you enjoy something, enjoy it. Yeah, but let other people enjoy what they like too. Yep. All right. Um, Mike also says I support you guys no matter what, and would love to be on more content with either of you if that content is to be made. Uh, and he he made a little heart. Oh yeah, thank Man, you. I haven't seen the less than three heart in, in a long time. Mike, bring it back. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, thank you, Mike. We we truly appreciate it. I don't really know what's on the horizon as far as more content is concerned, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, we will cross these bridges when we get there. Yeah. Um, but uh, special thanks to to Mike because he's uh he's kind of always been there for us. Very, yes. Very. Very big supporter of Headlock Talk and, uh, you know, our co-host on 3P Gamecast, uh, you know, whenever that was going on. And uh, so, yeah, just thank you, Mike. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a good one to end the podcast on. Actually, there's two. Uh, Let me let me try and find this this other one here. It was a really good one. Um, I I just saw it. I believe in you. Thank you. (laughs) Because we get we we got to get you you got to get to this movie yeah um let's see here do 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 Still scrolling. Yeah, this is making for great audio. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, we've get, we've given three solid hours of of audio. You know, we're we're human. Yeah, I mean, for for real though. Yeah. Um. Let me see. I don't know. Your your brain might be fried. It's so hot in here. I know it really is getting hot. <laughs> it's all the um, equipment and small room talking yeah it, it heats up quickly so 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 here here's a couple okay um Ma- matthew granberry at uh mg illustrious 42 hey hey how's it going hope you're doing well hmm. uh he he wants the ultimate fish rating what would be the top fish to give someone uh, for for if wishes were fishes our our famed segment it's got to be a blue whale right yeah, I that's mean, the blue, biggest fish in the world. Blue whale. Yeah, you know, I think I it mean, has to be or a, 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 a kraken. Yeah, yeah, the kraken. We gave a kraken a couple times. Yeah, um, krakens are big wishes. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, so I mean, I, I don't think that you can get much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the blue whale. I mean, well, they say the kraken is bigger than the blue whale. Well, the kraken is is or maybe like a massive. Yeah, maybe, maybe like a leviathan. Mm, there you go. There maybe you go. Like that would be a big fish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's fair. Yeah, ever play uh, uh, Stranded Deep? No, I did not. No, I think you've told me about this. Great though. game, great game. It's got leviathans in it. <laughs> <laughs> are they whales or are they like fish? No, they're like weird, like mythical creatures. Ah, yeah, interesting. More more akin to a kraken than a than a whale. Ah, I yeah. see. 
Um, so so I, I hope that helps. <laughs> the the b- big fish is what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see here. And then Kevin C. Res- uh, Kevin Carroll at Kevin C. Wrestling on mm. Twitter. Um, uh, from uh, Wrestling Reverb, of course, back in the day. We've done some shows with Kevin. Yes, we have. Um, he he asks, um, well, he, he first asks who would win in a wrestling match between Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, since this is the this is the last dance podcast, and you know, uh, you know that was the show that was the name of the show that uh, they did. Um, you, you okay over there, buddy? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh. <laughs> <laughs> was I making noise? No, I didn't know where that was coming oh. from for a minute. I was like, <laughs> something's going on. My, my restless leg syndrome there. <laughs> oh, I got restless legs. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, who would win a wrestling match? I, I'm thinking MJ. I mean, he would just dunk on him. <laughs> I mean, is it, is this? Uh, is, are we talking like actual booking, or are we talking about like this is this is a shoot? I don't know. You you, you decide who would. I feel like if it was a shoot, Scotty Pippen would Absolutely. just be like all It'd over Michael Jordan, decimate him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if booking, MJ, MJ. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, he also asks, "What are your are some of your best memories you have from doing headlock talking with working with each other?" Um, man, just like I don't know, like every part of it, like yeah. like there's just so many things to to talk about and to to share. Mm-hmm. Um, like me and Steven have uh, done a lot of these shows, um, and um, this one in particular being very special because it's the first time in a long time that we've done one. Yeah. Um, all of the ones that we did the after dark episodes. Was, I was going to say after dark. Those yeah. were always amazing. You can go back and listen to those in the mm-hmm. archive. Yeah, after dark is de- definitely really fun. After dark was always like, you know, um, it was a different show. It, it was it was kind of a special, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say one off because we did what three of them two. Mm-hmm. No, after darks. Yeah, we did like six of them. Did we? Yeah. Goodness, I was drunk for all of them. <laughs> a lot of them yeah no but after dark was always super fun because you know it it was a different show where you know normally it would be just tanner and i uh mm-hmm. but then on after darks we would bring more people in and, and you know we we talk about this being kind of just a you know a fun conversation between friends and yeah. after dark was like the perfect encapsulation like, of that idea like, like it was like it was even expanded it was like a fun conversation between friends at a party yeah. like at like 12 at midnight and everybody's just like hammered and hugging each exactly. other and like, oh, I love you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, after dark's definitely a highlight there yeah I, I think like there's there's a bunch of them like obviously we wouldn't know the friends that we know without like the BBR like time yep um, and even though that kind of was a bit of a train wreck at the end yeah uh, I mean we still kept contact with everybody you know um all the after dark stuff was really, really super cool. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, Tanner and Steven variety hour. Yeah, that was that, fun. That was a lot of fun with the the great chicken sandwich debate. Yeah, the, uh, that's another great show to find yep. in the archive. Yep. The the great chicken sandwich debate. That was a lot of fun. I still um, have I still have pictures of that on my phone. I, I, I still have indigestion. <laughs> um, so, um, did we yeah. finish any of those? I think we finished all of them. <laughs> That's a lot of chicken. That's a lot of chicken. Um, but yeah, there's just uh, like I said, there's just so many memories um, and uh, so many good times that yeah. that we've had. It's it, like it's hard to pinpoint like just a few because like every moment that we did was it felt like something special, something different. Absolutely. We 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 created characters. Mm-hmm. We we've 
uh, watched some really great shows and we've watched some really terrible shows and <laughs> somehow we drag you guys along with us. Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc. Yeah, the the series of unfortunate <laughs> events mm-hmm. um, was was super fun that to was do. A lot of fun. Heroes of Wrestling. Mm. Um, God, Heroes of Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, there there's been some some very good times and I I, I think. You know, if we did it all over again, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't change a thing because it's it's always been one of the highlights of just like one of the highlights and things that I've been most proud of is just seeing like, oh, wow, like this is our podcast and like we're actually doing like decently well. Yeah. Um, we never asked you guys for a dollar. We never did a Patreon. This has always just been about us doing something with you guys, the yep. listeners. Um. And I think that there's, or maybe, maybe selfishly, there's something a bit noble about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I mean, it, this is this has always been fun. Like you said, it's always been about, it's always been about friends. Yeah, and like first and foremost, it's always just friends having a conversation. Um, you know, n- didn't ask for Patreon or anything like that. We we did it because we enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, I think that sums it up well, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um. You got to get to a movie, and mm-hmm. I hate I hate that 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 um, you know that uh, we we have to end the show kind of soon here. But like, is there anything that that we've left unsaid that that we need to say? I mean, thank you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just thank you. Um, you know, we would have we would have done this if we got zero views. We we would have done yeah. it if we got three views. You know, and um, you know when we were when we were at our at our heyday you know we we were getting hundreds of views on, on our on our streams and you know getting all all sorts of uh you know people writing in for hot takes and mm. people providing us their own wishes for if wishes were fishes and things like that and so uh it, it's it's really cool that people enjoyed it as much as we did yeah yeah, I, I I think that that hits the nail on the head perfectly. Thank thank you to anybody who's ever, um, you know, it's, thank you to all of our friends. We've got so many friends out there that that have always supported us and yep. have thought well of us enough to help support our content and help us grow. Um, thank you to anybody who has ever guested on our shows because. Uh, generally speaking, we tried to bring in people of higher stature than us. <laughs> um, uh, thank you to anybody who's thought of us high enough to where we were guests on your show. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that was really really special. You know, all the times that we've been been asked to do a guest experience with somebody. Um, it, it, thank you to anybody who's ever liked, retweeted, talked about our content, downloaded our content just gave us a listen thank you from the bottom of our hearts it yep. it truly means the world to us that we had this experience and um if wishes were fishes but then maybe we'll see each other down the line there you go again someday i love it yeah <laughs> but until next time boys and girls my name is tanner aka the texas gentleman and right alongside me here the one the only mr Stephen groovy thank you for listening guys y'all take care be safe Good night and good luck. Bye. Bye.